Welcome to the NEPA Scene Podcast. This is episode 14. We're coming to you from the Stude at 258 Studios in Scranton. I'm Rich Howells. I'm the founder and editor of NEPA Scene. I'm Lauren Corolico, and I'm sitting on this side of the room this week. I am Mark Denebaum, and I'm, I haven't moved. I'm Jim Reynolds, and I run the Stude here at 258 Studios. And uh, we're here with uh, illustrator and educator Ted Michalowski. And uh, we're going to be uh, talking about art and uh, being a courtroom illustrator and running an art social group called Synesthesia Social. Uh, he has a lot of insight for us, and uh, he'll be a uh, fascinating guest, uh, won't you, Ted? Oh, thank you, Rich. Well, now I have to be. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to get in all kinds yes, of Yes, you will uh, have to be. <laughs> pressure's on. Yes. It's weird sitting next to Lauren. Is it comforting? Yeah, I feel good about it. Okay, good. Okay. But uh, we'll, we'll first, we'll just, uh, I'll, I'll just briefly go down a couple things that's going on on the site. Uh, we'll have uh, some photos of uh, Lee Bryce at the, uh, the Kirby Center. Uh, usually we don't have uh, country music stuff on there, so that'll be a little different. Was Florida Georgia Line there yet? Not yet. They were, I keep sneaking They're in. They're at the arena, so they're not at the I keep yet. sneaking it in. You do. Yeah. You do. Sooner or later, we're going to talk about them. Uh, we have a uh, local rock band, uh, ADD. Uh, we have an in-depth interview with, uh, with them coming up. Their songs really switch halfway through. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like they'll be in the middle of a rock song and then all of a sudden like they'll they're like bake cupcakes. Oh. Yeah. Cause they have ADD. Why are you lying to me? Yes, of course I'm lying to you, Lauren. That's all I, that's all we do to each other. That's why you have to go and read the interview to, to figure out if he was lying to you or not. I think he was, but I shall read the interview. Fair enough. Uh, we'll have uh, an Oscar story for you to kind of, uh, you know, keep you up to date on uh, what's going with the Oscars and, and uh, prepare you That's for, next. Is that, for that. Is that to prepare you for? Yeah. And then we're so, going to do like a postmortem? Yeah, next yeah. Week? And then we, we can, uh, we can talk okay. about it next week. Yeah, yeah definitely. Sure. Okay. Um, it's finally something I know about. <laughs> We have uh, some interviews and some videos with uh, several of the performers that'll be at our uh, Midwinter Showcase at uh, the Woodlands. That's on Friday, February 27th. I actually have a poster right here, so I'll hold that up. Angry Carlton tried to convince me to buy tickets. Yes, uh, we have, uh, we have some, a lot of, lot of cool performers at this event. Uh, thank you, Ted, for uh, helping hold that up. Can uh, I, we have comedians, uh, poets, uh, musicians. We've got a little bit of everything. And uh, so you, you're going to be able to preview a lot of what you're going to see there. You're going to have some interviews, some videos of uh, these guys performing at our open mics on Tuesdays. And uh, you'll see what, uh, what what's in store on uh, Friday, February 27th. Which everyone should go to. Uh, on, a, on a quick uh, tangent about that, if if you did not do that, I would not have met um, Zach Hammond, right? Dan Hopple, mm -hmm. and Skip Monday. Yeah, and uh, I've found them incredibly fascinating, unique, amazing individuals, and it's because of you that I've met them. So I want to say thank you. You're welcome. I, I actually was only, I had known uh, Zach uh, a little while before, but we weren't, uh, you know, I just, I had seen him around and stuff like that and talked to him a couple of times and uh, everybody else I kind of got to know through the, uh, the open mics that we've been doing at the Woodlands on Tuesdays. And uh, we've, we've discovered a lot of great talent and uh, I, I think we're going to be developing those kinds of events further. I, I uh, where we, we have uh, something we're working out with uh, Thirsties and Elephant coming up too. Uh, that we'll be able to announce. We're thirsties. Right, Jimmy? You're right. 
I hope the GoPro just picks you up hitting your head off it the microphone. It turned off again. Son of a bitch. No yeah. way. Bullshit. Yeah, we, we have uh, we have some things coming up, uh, both at the Woodlands and Thirsties coming up that uh, I can't wait to uh, to talk about. But, uh, you know, we'll have to make sure that's when all can we announce first. that? Uh, very soon. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, I, I actually have to talk to T uh, sometime this week, and we'll figure that out. But uh, he's, he's 130. 40% gung-ho. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. And I'm really excited about uh, some of the stuff that we're going to be doing there. So Yeah, I think it's going to be a big deal. Hopefully, it'll be a big deal. It's really nice how Mark thanks you for all you do. Yeah, it is it's nice. Yeah, I usually don't do that. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to offset my anger <laughs> with, with balance of being over complimentary, but sincere. I mean, everything that I'm saying, I'm just, right. I usually don't, I usually don't like, you're the best. <laughs> the uh the, the the little bit of anger that i had this week uh i put into uh we, I, my my infinite improbability column this week was on uh, 50 shades of gray so i talked oh. about that a little bit um mainly just the fact that people seem to not get that uh there's so much focus on the sex scenes and, and the bdsm stuff and that sort of thing and that the, there's quote-unquote controversy around that that really uh, the thing that bothers me about it is the fact that um, he's uh, physically and emotionally abusive through the entire book and through the entire film and that we're supposed to be accepting of that. Are we sure he's not just overconfident? Uh, well, if you, if you mean like uh, putting tracking devices in your phone so you can figure out where you are at all times, isolating you from your friends and family, um, telling you how to live your life and uh, down to your diet, um, then no, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say I it's mean, a little Mark more. did that. Mark made me get this app once it was called find my friends and it was like a homing device yeah. <laughs> on my phone and it followed me everywhere. That's so you're, I followed so in back, other words, though. you're saying Marky is, is Christian gray. Yes. And also, you know what? That kind of represents every insecure relationship I've ever seen. So, <laughs> well, it's it's. Uh, I mean, it started out as a Twilight fan fiction, so it makes sense that it would reflect Twilight, which is basically well, I mean, the, the same thing, exact thing. I I I I know that you hate. I don't know if you hate this about me, but I know that you dislike this about me. Is that I don't I don't read um, books. Um, you know, I'll read like games. You read cereal boxes. Jimmy does. Jimmy knows the back of every cereal box since 1978. Um, I don't. Uh, it's just, and, and I think I've said why. It's because by the time I get to the bottom of the page, I don't know what the hell the top of the page is about. Mm. So it kind of frustrates me. So I was just like, eh, I'm just not going to read that. Um, the thing that uh, uh, not necessarily bothers me, um, but you know what they call Fifty Shades of Grey in Europe? No. A movie. <laughs> So that's what bothers me about like being over here where we can, you know, we can, we can see, we can show Rambo, which I think is awesome. Right. And people just get blown to shit. Yeah. Not, you know, orally. Right. But with, well, that would be terrible and, and horrible. And we have to, right. We have God to sh- forbid. Sh- yeah. Um, keep the children away from that. Right. And then, uh, you know, I, I read that, you know, she didn't have one orgasm in the entire movie and, you know, we can show men having orgasm. It's just, it's just like this weird, Right thing that happens where it's like you know even even sexually women are not treated in a in a, in a, in, a, in a honest light um right and that was pretty close to beatboxing that yeah I, well that's called me being nuts um so uh yeah and and all it's a gimmick oh the yeah whole fucking the whole thing a gimmick absolutely. 
250 million worldwide just based on like leather and an ass. <laughs> like I just Well, I just thought it was Wasn't that the original name of the story? Leather and an ass. <laughs> Didn't um Fleetwood Mac have an album called that? Leather and an ass. Uh leather and It might have it might have been the solo record that uh uh Mick Fleetwood and uh Stevie Nicks did. Oh. Cuz that was a torrid affair. Um yeah, I don't I don't subscribe to that bullshit. I just but thought I it love was, Notting Hill. I just thought it was funny that the guy who I don't know if you've seen The Fall on Netflix. It's a it's a BBC show. Oh no, no, yeah, I haven't I haven't seen that. But did you ever see the the Fall, the Tarsum movie? The guy who did the Cell. Did you ever see the Cell? Yes. Yes. Did you ever see that movie, The Fall? Yeah, oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful yeah. film. Amazing. Beautiful. Film. I, I have I have that cute. I do want to see The Fall. It's very it's very very good. And the guy who plays Christian Gray is the serial killer in this. Oh, no, wait, 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 wait. Yes. Do, do you? I ever don't think say, it's a surprise. Like, it's not know, a surprise. Yeah. Oh. It, it's it's yeah. revealed in the very first episode in like the first few minutes that okay. he's a serial killer. Yeah. Rich <laughs> is Rich is not Rich is not the spoiler guy. No, and, I'm not. Yeah. Enjoying your slang. Do you ever say cued in the stewed? <laughs> cute in the stew tonight. Or? Cute in the stewed. We have we Lauren. Say her name. Crelico. Crelico. That was pretty good. <laughs> After thirteen episodes, I better fourteen episodes. Yeah, yeah. I better get it right. All right. So Fifty Shades of Go Fuck Yourself next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I read your article. I mean, you brought some good points, and and you know, I think it's you know, I I like how that when you do infin- infinite probability that it it it, it takes. It, it what what you think it's going to be about right and it, and it, and it's not yeah it's exactly like, it's 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 just a whole different perspective on 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 how to look at it and i and and i really enjoy that Can okay i, just throw I do read the things that because... i am reading are infinite probability okay that's good. what i'm that's what i'm reading because there is a hashtag going around um 50 not 50 shades yes i think if you have enough disposable income to spend on this film to go see it you could probably afford to donate a couple dollars to your local uh B and M B BDSM club. No, heavens, Mark. No, I'm trying to do something for serious this time. To your local women's <laughs> shelter time? or any sort of support system. To your local women's shelter? There's a I think that's a great idea. There was a USA Today article about the NFL's reaction uh to all these things that they're doing to bring awareness to the fact 50, that so much the NFL domestic violence has been going on in the country and everything. And it's actually increased call volumes it, tremendously for a lot because of, of programs because of the NFL, because of the Ray Rice and all their, the publicity around it, the supports there, but they're strapped for cash to actually help any of the victims turn into survivors. Definitely. Do you know the thing that's very hard for, for people to understand about the Ray Rice situation is that we can all look at that and, and, and be appalled. And I think, I think as a civilized society, we looked at, at anybody who watched it, looked at it was appalled. Um, not to make excuses for, uh, that relationship dynamic. Um, but she should have, thrown him to the wolves it's not always that easy mark i know that but when it's public in a way like that i i, I think you're safe and i realize i realize that there's a lot of situations where like you know there's nowhere to turn i think in that's i'm talking about that specific situation she could have taken that as an opportunity you know to do something better same thing with rihanna yeah she could have she, she and, and and after that for happened, being an idol yeah, but after that happened, she kind of got quiet. 
You know what I mean? Like she should she should have stood up and said, you know, she still dates him though, right? No. Oh, I thought they still had an affair with each other. God, I hope not. This is probably a conversation for another day. Let's just leave it at it's never really the victim's fault. Oh no, no, it's I'm really not saying hard that. No, 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 to no, no, get no, no, out of no, that no, situation. No. If, if you're going, if, I don't know. I know that's not what you're saying. No, no, no. I, no, no. I just don't want. I, I, I just want to get back to uh, if you have a couple bucks to spend right, on this to movie. Fifty Shades of Grey. Go, go to wrcnepa.org backslash donate, and which is Women's Resource Center, which locally is one of the one of the best organizations I've ever. And they service Lackawanna County and Susquehanna County for. Anybody who needs support in terms of sexual abuse or domestic violence. So or mental, you know, All abuse doesn't of, have to yes, be physical. That is correct. Yeah. So it could be financial. It could be. If we've insulted mental. you by making fun of Fifty Shades of Grey, you can make up for it and like. I think that's up to us to make, dollars. to make up for it. No, no, no. we don't apologize. We can't apologize for Fifty Shades of Grey. It's not. No. It's neither yeah, a please don't please redeeming. don't think that what I said oh, was no. was for me to to take you know the side of like Ray Rice's. It's just fault. it's it's much harder. She she all all I feel is is that let like you know given given I'm just so bitter this week. There's given, a whole given yeah, the opportunity. Yes. Mark Mark, let's talk about that. My what's bitter my bitterness. Yeah, what's going on? Um, I oh, I'm gonna try I'm gonna try my best not to go into details, but um. At the at at the core of it is that uh, kindness kills you faster than a bullet. That's for sure. Um, uh, I, I I and 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 it really bothers me. And, and and it's and it's multiple layers. It's 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 about people who are ungrateful. It's about uh, people who don't see when uh, you know there's 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 people who who are extending a hand for help uh, 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 an offering of help um and and sacrificing a lot of the things that that you know run their lives you know because the moment you 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 take up the responsibility of trying to help someone um you invariably have to make sacrifices in your life to make that happen um they don't realize it um and it's incredibly it's it's been very taxing over the last two weeks for, for quite a few of us to help, uh, especially, especially in my commune household Davidian complex, <laughs> you know, everybody, everybody chipped in and Jimmy publicly, I want to apologize to you for all that nonsense. No, it's okay. You, um, well, that's what friends are for. You're a network and you try to help each other out. Yeah. And I appreciate it. And I, I know I would, you, uh, you've been there and will be there. Yeah. So I've, 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 I mean, this is, I've had to deal with, you know, legal stuff and it has nothing to do with me you know but it's just me trying to help you know trying to reach out that hand and be like look you know like i just don't understand the youth of today like it it just really it 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 boggles my mind this 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 idea of um selfishness to 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 a point where it's without reason or perspective i'd love to uh to do a whole podcast on the millennial stuff i would too I would, and it's not I could, like I could contribute a lot. Yeah, I bet you could, I, it, and but, that, but I think just, that would be interesting. Not, not. I think it would. I, I, I wouldn't. It, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to do it, but I wouldn't like to do it in a way where it's like, "Fuck you." I would like to do it in a way no, where like, more, help me why? understand. I, like, right. question yeah, as like to I'm, why. I'm really, and and the thing is, is you know, I think I think that like with with um, 
you know, every day we get older, <laughs> uh, every day we, and I don't know if it's a generational thing where it's like, we look back and we're, you know, the music that we thought sucked, our parents loved. And now we're at a point where like, you know, the music, the kids that, you know, are like 14 to like, you know, like 24, are like, oh, this is awesome. And we're like, that sucks. Right. I don't know if it's a generational thing. I don't know. But but here's what I do know. If 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 every generation kind of looks back and says, you know, to, if any if, if every generation looks at the generation now and says, oh, they're a bunch of ungrateful bastards and blah, blah, blah. Like using that as a trend, I don't think we're doing better. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, it has caused a lot of frustration. It has caused a lot of pain and it has caused a lot of, I, I don't know. Cause I, you know, when I, when I used to drink and go to bars and stuff, it, it I was, I was the guy who would, I would people watch and I'd be like, there's going to be a fight within like five minutes of these this group of people and that group of people are like that girl's going to cry or, you know, just these, cause for some reason I picked it up as a sixth sense where I'm like, I can see what is going on. And like this gen, like that generate, I, I just don't, there's no like, I see over wrecking ball. People. Yeah. There's no, where it's like, my boyfriend won't talk to me. The world's going to end. And it's like, it's like, you know, and I kept saying like the world's like, it's, it, it gets better. Like gets it, that whole get, it gets better campaign works way beyond the, the situation at hand. Yeah. And that's what, that's what bothers. It, 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 it can work for so much and it, and it, and it can get better. And if you have a good support system and you have good people who, who trust you and believe in you and love you, that'll help. But you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't teach it math. Oh, Lauren, I'm so pissed. I know. You know what I mean? Are you feeling any better now that it's behind you or uh, are you still kind of steamed? I don't even I don't even know if it's you know, it's one of those like I have. uh, You know, I, 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 you know, part of the reason, you know, you're not sure if it's behind you yet. No. And I have and I have I have mental health issues and they're not like mental health issues where it's where it's. I think everybody has bits and pieces of what I have, like where you obsess or you dwell or, or, or whatever. And, you know, you dwell on the negative, but you dwell on the positive. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of in a place right now where, where I, I'm, I'm, it's weird. Uh, like part of me is like, fuck you. And the other part of me is like, oh, I still, for some strange re- mental reason or Christian guilt, I want to keep, <laughs> helping if i can right you know even my enemies like i feel that way and i don't think i really have enemies but it's like you know if they were ever like hey my car is broke down can you help me i'm like yeah i'll be right there right you know what i mean instead of being like just go don't ever call me again (laughs) you know what i mean so i'm just pissed off about that you care too much that's what your problem is yeah i think so that might be what it is. But then if you don't care, then we're in the problem where we were at before when you said that there's a problem with our youth. That's another good cue to ask for some donations for yeah. these these types of issues. Surely there must be some place. Oh, I'm sure that there is. Ronald McDonald House? That's a different issue. What are they? I still don't know what the Ronald McDonald House does. Do they like? I don't know either. I'm just. I, <laughs> hey thought, kids, I thought it would. Hey be kids, here's a double cheeseburger. Uh, I think it's. No. I think it's for sick children. Now I feel horrible. <laughs> yeah, you should. 
I didn't know. Like they don't. They don't like when you hear Ronald McDonald House. It's like that's yeah, like they don't the Taco Bell Foundation, right? Yeah, they don't necessarily get into it. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. So, but yeah, I believe it's it's like children. I'm pissed. I'm real cynical this week. I'm real pissy. Okay, but, but that's part of my mood swings. Like I got okay you know, troughs and valleys. Wait, that was the same thing. Peaks and valleys. Well, you know, uh, art comes from good and bad. You know, it comes from the peaks and valleys. You know, oh, yeah, all good, yeah, yeah. Good art comes from that. Now, would that's you, a would great, you? That's a great cue for the Facts of Life theme song to come in. <laughs> Actually, I was going to cue you in, Ted. So, oh, excellent. Uh, you know, what, would you would you agree with that, Ted? In terms well, of uh, where again, art comes from, in terms of uh, emotionality. Ah, uh, what, what could you repeat it? Would you would you say that? Uh, yeah, the, what, 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 where, what did where, you okay. think about the season finale of Lost? Yeah, <laughs> let's start there. From where in you does Lost. art happen? You would. Yes, where does art come from? Internally. Well, how did actually like it? How did you get? How I get did it you wired get in? How did you get involved? I get it wired how in. did you? How did you realize like this is what I want? Well, actually, it, it ties into something you were talking about earlier on before the show started talking about Birdman. Ah. Huh. And my connection to a greater appreciation of Birdman was working in a movie theater. On May 29th, 1989, which you all know was the opening night of Batman with Jack Nicholson and Michael Keaton. And Michael Keaton, of course, is the star of Birdman, uh, very much appropriately so. And how does that fit in? Oh, so I was 15 years old. <laughs> and to answer your question. Wait, was, are, you, but are you local your whole life? Uh, mostly, yeah, mostly. Like so one, is this like up at the General one. Cinemas up at Viewmont Mall? I did work at the General Cinema, yeah. but... Which then became, well, which then was knocked down to become Borders, which I worked also. Which is now Bam. Ground. Yeah, but I started at the Eric 8, which is where oh, really? I got to meet uh, uh, Jeff Fowler. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. We uh, we had on our, our podcast uh, a while back, uh, he's a local filmmaker. Yeah, yeah. we had a, he's my, a great friend. My dad's company uh, did the structural steel for the Eric. That whole thing. Oh, really? Yeah, and my whole thing was like, oh, we're going to get free movie tickets now. My dad's like, it's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> if you build it, you get shit. Yeah. If you build it, you get paid. You don't get any Well, the guy perks. who did the, when they became the Endless Mountains. Uh, there was Yeah, there was a great guy there. What was, I thought he was. Who was which, the guy that guy? ran that? Uh, oh, uh, was that Caldwell? Was that John Wayne Caldwell? Oh, no, uh, uh, Costelli, Dave Costelli. Yeah, he was kind of like, Five, 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 four. Right. Okay. Whole bunch of fives. Whole bunch of fives. He yeah. he was the guy who hired me in 1989, and uh, of course, as an usher, you're you're very much attracted to what goes on in the projectionist booth, and that's where I met a projectionist named Tom O'Neill, who was studying illustration in college at the time, and so that kind of wowed me because he had. Uh, he was making these fantastical Frank Frazetta inspired drawings, which was the most uh, inebriating thing I could see at 15 years old, which is what I wanted to do. And he had long hair and uh, wore a black T-shirt and ripped jeans and rode a motorcycle and always had these gorgeous girls coming up to the door box asking for him. So I said, that's what I want to do. <laughs> I want to meet chicks. So I want to grow my hair long, wear black T-shirts rip jeans, ride a motorcycle, draw pictures and what year was this? 89? Girls. 1989. It's yeah. a good year. So does that answer your question? Yeah. So that's how it all started. Now, 
that guy, Tom O'Neill, is currently out in L.A. doing the storyboards for The Flash. TV show? Yeah. Um, and he did Lost. Did he? He did the storyboards for Lost, along with his other friend, uh, Tim Bobco. So when I was in high school, I got to know guys who were graduating college in art school before I was graduating high school. So I kind of skipped ahead all those years of hanging out with the high school kids and making all those mistakes. And I was hanging out. Learning with, experience. Yeah. I was hanging out with <laughs> uh, senior art students who were already, well, no, I guess that wouldn't be right to say they're beyond all the partying, but, uh, <laughs> but they taught me how to do it right. So yeah. responsible party. Yeah. Yeah. Fight for your right to party or no, pardon me. Party, party for, for your, your right, right to, to fight. fight. You earn your right to fight. No, yeah. you earn your right to party. <laughs> what the fuck did that even mean? <laughs> Each one was was just yeah. as good. Well, no, these were guys who they all had this house together that would do all of their assignments and then they partied. So they had something uh. to celebrate. So the drawings meant something to them. So they weren't just going to college just to booze it up. Life coach Rich would approve of this uh, re- reward behavior. Right, he would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want one to of our, one of our, uh, our earlier guests uh, a while back. Well, it's in terms of inebriation with uh, alcohol or whatever substances. That's what drawing became. And when you're talking about the question of where art comes from or where it goes, it could be it comes from stimulation, and it could be highly stimulating in itself. And I think that that's the reason why. I've never needed any type of uh, substances. Yeah, a lot of people, I think, assume, you know, that uh, especially if you're if you're a musician or if you're an artist or something like that. Oh man, you do something like that. That that's that creative. You had to be high or you had to be sure. this or that, and that's sure. not always the case at that was, all. I mean, right. that's there. Right. You know, yeah. it's, it's just in you. You know, otherwise I mean, heroin would do art. <laughs> right. You know, or well, booze would do and, art, and of course, it's presence in people involved in the arts might be involved in whatever indulgences. But uh, my heroes have always been totally driven to do what they do primarily, and that's make art. Do you find um, being around people of, you know, not exactly, they don't have to be the same discipline of what you like to do, but do you, do you find that, you know, being around people who just like to make something out of nothing, i.e. create, is is beneficial to you or do you as you said as you're saying that sentence goosebumps were forming because that's the key right Mm. the key is being around people who are motivated driven passionate whatever you want to call it because if you hang out with guys who smoke up and play video games then you're probably going to do a lot of smoking and playing video games and i through the through some artist in residence work that I do, uh, that's that's a major key in getting students to discover, locate, and pursue something they're really excited about. I mean, do they do do you when you do that? Do you have to like almost because um, we work with? Uh, well, I, I'm actually fortunate enough to work with uh, breaking ground poets, and I and and I'll be the first person to tell you I don't know a damn thing about poetry, but just to see those kids grow and to see those kids get involved in something that they care about and that they're passionate about. And, and somebody needs to, 
somewhere along the way, uh, you know, Katie Wisnowski, you know, I, I know she hates the praise and stuff like that, but she's she's there for those kids to, to you know, to mm-hmm. kind of guide them and say, hey, do you ever try this? Do you ever do this? Do you ever, you know what I mean? Not like mm-hmm. being totally making them subservient to what she wants. She's she that's not what she wants at all. That's not what she tries to do. She tries to give, you know, hey, maybe maybe it's 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 maybe the problem is 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 just how you're looking at it. Totally. You know what I mean? So I mean, do you do you find that, you know, working working with, you know, students and and Mm -hmm. and, you know, young artists growing up being like, you know, here's some things to avoid. Yeah. Well, your best. I, we, yeah. Mostly it's kept in the positive with here are the things to pursue. Let's talk yeah. about everything we're excited about. And if you keep it in the positive, all those negatives and avoidables tend to fade away. Right. Because they just become naturally less appealing. Yeah. And a great example is the Arts Alive program through the Pennsylvania Council on the Arts in the summer. And the students whom it targets, as well as who are attracted to it are accelerated art students and visual arts as well as performance arts. And then it also looks to bring in students who are underprivileged. And the interesting thing is oftentimes underprivileged students are put with other underprivileged students. Mm -hmm. And that's great to give them the type of education or program or extracurricular events that would help them. But the interesting thing is you put a student who might be somewhat anchored in life with students who are totally accelerated in life, they tend to launch because then there aren't the excuses. There's not the resistance and it's all positivity. And that tends to happen mostly through the arts. You don't see kids going to an accounting summer program in high school. <laughs> really? <laughs> and getting all sorts of fired up. What, what are what are some of the option? most important lessons yes, that you feel um, – yeah, you have to impart onto these kids that they 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 should take away from uh, from your, the program. Well, I think we get to. This is going to go into something later on that I I'm sure you want to talk about. But right before the Hugo Solinsky trial started, when I was there to draw the Hugo Solinsky trial, as, which one? As the recent one, the recent one for uh, as a courtroom artist for uh, WBRE and affiliates uh, behind me, I heard some women saying very favorable things about the drawing, but they were directing it towards someone which I could pretty much bet was a young person. And it was so they had a young boy between them and they were saying, look at what he does. Look at how wonderful it is. And I thought, well, isn't that nice that here in this situation, because the question you asked me is in these environments, in an educational environment, uh, what are some examples of how it really happens, how you make a dent and how you make an impact? Well, here was the least likely place for anyone to be inspired. You wouldn't expect to go to the Hugo (laughs) Solinsky trial and find inspiration. (laughs) However, it took a quick turn which I've learned to let go. And in the past I haven't when I hear kind of a cousin to the dismissing comment that you say, if someone's creative, it's because of a drug. Also, if someone's talented, it's a gift. Mm. And if you've developed any type of skill, be it athletic, artistic, you know that it takes a lot of hard work and it can certainly itch you wrong if you're someone dismiss it as a gift. Right. But then it's easier for someone to say it's a gift because then they could say, well, the reason I can't do that is because it's a gift and I ain't got it. 
But the problem in this situation, which I felt compelled to speak up upon because I'm in education, is... In the trial? In the Well, right before the trial, which isn't really the most convenient place to do this, to make a point. But I turned around and very calmly, politely said, that's fine if you insist. And this person insisted that what you're doing in front of me is a gift. And I, I said to her... If you ever had anyone living in your house learning to play the vi- learning to play the violin, you know that's not a gift because the neighbors call up, they go out for dinner when your son is practicing. <laughs> and it's not a gift. And it's hard work. So I said, if you want to insist that it's a gift and believe it's a gift, fine. But if you say that in front of this young boy whom you directed towards this drawing to trigger some fascination, which is the key to start it all. Yeah. If you say this is a gift, then you immediately restrict the aspirations he might follow. Because if he can't do it at first, which is he the feels most like likely scenario, yeah. then he's going to say, I'll never be able to do this because this gift was not given to me. Wow. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so that was a point I had to make in the Hugo Solinsky trial. <laughs> so there was a kid watching the Hugo Solinsky trial? Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, Look, here's what I want you to know is that out of a murder trial, something good kind of came out of it. That was totally unexpected. <laughs> That's true. A young That's man true. might have been born into the arts that day. So so to bring it back with uh to bring it back into education cuz let's let's finish let's if you don't mind, I'd I'd really like to keep on that track. Sure. We'll get into the courtroom stuff. Uh, not that I'm playing control here, but I, I, I'm digging the beginning. So there, there's a greater connection to the artistic drive and talent to the athletic drive and talent, as one would think in high school, when the athletically driven kids totally detach themselves from the artistically driven kids. But maybe I see less of that, which is good. But there are a lot of elements that tie the two together, which of course is the dedication and above all, especially in drawing, the hand-eye coordination, which is essential in courtroom illustration. And when I was in high school, there was a student who was the last picked every gym class for basketball. No one wanted this guy on the team. And his name was Jim Reynolds. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and poor Jimmy. Poor Jimmy was always picked last, even if he was picked at all. Usually he was picked by the opposite team to say, you got him. Yeah. And this kid didn't know a double dribble from his belly button and would would just floundered the ball every time, didn't have any presence on the court. Well, summer vacation came along and no one saw each other. And then the next school year starts. We go into gym class. The gym teacher throws the basketball in. No one wants to pick him. Poor Jimmy gets picked last. The game starts. Jimmy steals the ball, takes it down the other end of the court, sinks it. The other team takes the ball out. Jimmy steals it, takes it down the other end of the court, sinks it. And this repeats routinely until everyone gets so frustrated that they say, put him on the other team. And of course, we all ask him, what what happened to you? And he said he was so tired of having everyone ridicule him for his poor skills at best that over the summer, he played in every court where there were kids with all different sizes and skill levels of kids until he could play and play well. And that's how it happens. And the same thing can happen with any type of skill. Aww. 
Well, you, that, that's uh, you know, I, I my my father was an artist, and uh, he was he was always very good and very inspirational to me. And uh, you know, I tried to to emulate that as a kid, and uh, I think I just got frustrated. You know, I didn't you know I didn't pursue it hard enough. And then I got into writing, and I kind of moved away from that. And I always kind of wish that maybe I'd gone back to it at some point. So, I mean, you don't think uh, at any point you can lose it either, you know, that, that if it's in you, you know, no, you, can, totally. you can always it pick it up and go back fast. and do it again. It goes fast. And uh, oftentimes you might hear someone say, oh, what a waste of a gift I've been given. But you lose it fast, but you can get it back fast, too. Yeah. And you, you know, uh, what, what, uh, what's interesting about your style is, is you pick, uh, you know, so many different mediums and things, too. You know, you can... Uh, you know, right. Actually, while uh, while we were starting to talk, uh, for those who are listening and not watching on the YouTube version, uh, you know, he started drawing uh, uh, Mark and, and Lauren over here, and uh, and I'm sure he'll you know c- continue that. But he can also do you know you can do ink drawings as well, um, you know, watercolor, you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, how how do you decide uh, you know what's appropriate for when, or do you just kind of wing it? Well. As you saw in here, I figured I'd be doing faster drawing, so I drew in pencil. But uh, I don't have an eraser on me, and Good. I don't. I don't apologize. It's non-apologetic drawing. There Good. No tolerance of eracist demarks. <laughs> and so it, it all depends on the situation. Of course, you have a really nice carpet in here, so I don't want to make a mess with ink and. It depends on what I have with me. Now, if I'm in the court, I have a very small palette of watercolor. And uh, I have some really nifty water brushes that have the water inside of them. And then I take a little uh, container of water that'll refill Why is that the norm for courtroom drawing? It's not. The The norm for courtroom drawing is toned paper and working in colored pencils. And people mostly mostly work from the knuckle. They work a lot more tight. Yeah. And I try to work more cinematically where, and what I mean by that is most of the courtroom artists that, that I see will try to show the whole entire scene. They'll do pretty much an establishing shot. Yeah. Of that. And I'll fire away that away at you because you're a film guy and I respect that. Yeah. They'll do a wide shot. And I will zoom in on the key figure and put some, uh, supporting cast around him or her. Yeah, I've seen you do a presentation on the the courtroom drawings, and what I thought was interesting is is like, uh, for example, you would have you know the judge there, and then you know maybe you would kind of draw the flag a little bit over so that the mm-hmm. the the flag actually kind of accentuated the drawing a little bit. Right. You know, it might not be exactly where it was, but right. it kind of helps right. to paint the picture a little bit right. better. So that if you were in the courtroom, you know that that's kind of what you would take away from it. Yeah, it's a big liberty that I take and. I've never been called on it. Uh, no one's ever seemed to mind, but I certainly, I certainly changed the room around a little bit, but without changing the story because right. it is journalistic art. It's what they call reportage. Mm. It's the artist is witness. It's documentary art. How how did you get in a? How did you move from from uh, you know uh, from from that kind of art into courtroom drawing? I think that's interesting in itself. How, how did I get that kind of work? Yeah. I'm really glad you asked that because I have a quote from someone that 
you can correct because it's someone you really like and can impersonate really well. And Woody Allen said, what's the percentage? 90% of success in life is showing up. <laughs> and interestingly enough, you just started showing up to courtrooms, the best, well, being in places <laughs> you can, you can do that. You could easily show up and just start drawing and convince people. Well, no, you couldn't convince people you're per courtroom artist because you need a press pass. But, uh, but I mean, these things are open to the public. So. Sure. Yeah. But most of the time I have, I work with great reporters on uh, Hugo. I was with Andy Mahalshik of uh, Eyewitness News and he's really great with arranging for me to be places. Also a great help at that trial was John O'Connell, who was a privately commissioned courtroom artist by one of the attorneys. And he arranged for me to sit up a little bit closer. So this way I wasn't sitting in behind Hugo and the rest of the key figure, figures, the prosecution and the defense, which is how it's been. And that's where I sat for Eric Frayn was in behind everything. And even though I keep wanting to keep the conversation on education, we keep pouring into courtroom. But to bring it back, how I got into these things and on the, the Woody Allen quote is uh, that... I've just done what I've done, loved what I do and done it around and in front of and for people. So then people know you do it. It's talent alone isn't going to work if you're going to be withdrawn. And oftentimes people who uh, are, are more social or end up going to be where they need to be. Well, it's like networking and stuff, isn't it? It's about, it's about just, just getting to know people and getting sure. and, and, and having yeah. them trust you. Yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not a big fan of the term networking, but you say it very well. So what do you, I, I what, like, so how would you how would you well, describe I, it? I I think when I think networking, I think networking is strictly business oriented. You're getting to know people for what doors they can open for you. But I like to devo- develop solid friendships and and that's what's been a big part of it but and doesn't that help open the door too well sure but it's not for that reason and usually usually there are a lot of other factors involved i'm not I, yeah i'm not don't please don't think that i'm sitting over I'm, here. I'm with you i'm yeah, totally yeah, yeah. With you. it's it's you know it's i i never it, it, if 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 people don't connect mm-hmm. you know sure then it, it it doesn't matter you know if right. you go to like these networking events or whatever like sure. that. I mean, you know the sole purpose of you being there. Sure. Um, but if you go to just regular social events, uh-huh. um, invariably, I think, you know, sometimes the the dirty word of networking does seem to, to happen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm not, I'm not offended or anything. Well, I, don't know what, I don't know what you, I don't know what you thought. You're like, you're like yeah. well, I wouldn't call it that. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know the other word for it. <laughs> I think I think you hit the nail on the head with social because yeah. I would describe you as a very social individual. Well, thank you. Thank you. And I think being social is a big part of what you do. Right. It's and all about making art and making friends. And watch and this segue happen. So thank you for bringing up the idea that... Uh, Art just doesn't happen. Talent doesn't happen. You have to develop it, and I sure. think that that's that comes key from your education experience, which you do. Right. You you are an educator. Sure. So before we complete the segue, maybe we can talk a little bit more about what you teach. Sure. And also, I've I've been through 
numerous nice cough, schools. <laughs> the uh, I'm really proud and excited to have come from and often see the, the presence of the University of Hartford Hartford Art School MFA program, the low residence program majoring in illustration that's run by Murray Tinkleman. And that's what changed everything for me, as well as seeing other students who are in it and have been in it. And that's the type of element where talking about networking versus a, a social fuel mm -hmm. is these people all believe in what they do. It's like being a part of the same species and we all talk the same language and get very excited about what we do and seeing what each other does. And it helps everybody launch. If you have the right people involved in anything, which I'm sure you know, if you have the right people above and by your side and who might be doing things for you, it's essential. A, a lot of the art that you do too is is primarily people, and I think that uh, it, it kind of it, it's uh, it feeds into itself. Uh, sure. I'm friendly. Right. You're a social person and you want to be surrounded by people and just, you're always drawing people. And uh, and it's always ama amazing the the accuracy that you're able to get in a matter of minutes. You know, just just what you did here, uh, just being able to capture them, you know, just in, in, a, in a few minutes of, of while we're while we're talking uh -huh. and you're just kind of casually sketching away. In fact, I don't right. think I ever see you without at least a notebook in your hand yeah. or, uh, you know, something something with you to draw right. at all times. And a lot of times you'll just, you know, be in the middle of a conversation and pull it out and start drawing or, uh, you know, be be a dinner or something like that. Sure. And, yeah. Uh, you know, start sketching. Well, it happens as naturally as a language. If you you think and process your day in words and I do it in drawings, but they're both lines. It's all lines. Mm -hmm. It's all language. But the interesting thing about that is when you talk about uh, drawing people, one interesting thing that has been uh, something I've been keeping to myself because I think it might freak people out oh, a little bit. Say that's it. been happening. You want to hear something that's a little bit freaky? Freak it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, the more you focus on anything you do in life, you'll end up noticing it even when you're not doing that. So if I, for instance, spend a lot of time trying to look at how fabric of a sleeve folds when it's rolled up and the elbow bends, like Mark's sweater is, I'll look Just at that. Show off my guns, man. I'll look at him showing off his guns and the effect that it has on the fabric wrapping themselves around those guns. Even though I'm not drawing, I'm still looking at that. So if I'm looking at the characteristics of a face, which I'll call the landscape of a face, which is what I have to look at if I'm doing courtroom or any type of uh, descriptive drawing where there's some type of likeness necessary. So there's also the element of age. And I'll think about what marks might be made to draw a fashionable woman where you remove certain lines from the face to keep her looking young that some people might put in. And we've all seen the tattoos that someone might get of a child mm -hmm. uh, somewhere on them and they'll put in every single line and crease of the face and outline every single tooth. And the more you delineate something, the more it draws the viewer's eye to it. And then it looks like you wouldn't want to get your finger too close to that baby's mouth because it might get chomped off. <laughs> Right, you saying that the baby yeah. looks scary? Sure, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. The train spotting course. baby, yeah. <laughs> and uh, what a great movie! 
Yeah. Anyway, and and that's the thing. Also, now with that, you you draw enough, and you're a film guy. You end up watching. You develop your eyes, and you end up appreciating movies like that more because Train Spotting is certainly a movie that you could pause throughout the movie at so many times and see a really great example of composition and color. Oh, sure. And how the figures yeah. are placed through. But what I wanted to talk about that is kind of freaky. If you still want to hear the freaky thing, oh, and yeah. then I'm going to answer yeah. your question about yeah. education. Because even though we're jump, jump, jumping we around. We always come back. We'll always, we'll always uh, no matter how many branches we climb out on, we'll find our way back to the trunk of the tree. Hey, we just take a scenic route, man. And we're on the scenic route. Yeah. All right. Mark is driving and uh, we're sharing our Ziploc <laughs> bag of Cheerios in the back. So... <laughs> But honey, I've one thing I'm nut. finding myself doing, like I'll catch scenes like watching train spotting. I'll think uh, maybe uh, dedicating uh, an eye to the visual attraction of things would lend a notice to that all the more quickly. But we're looking at faces and seeing what lines of a face make someone older and which ones you'd keep out to make someone younger and drawing faces after faces after faces. When I see people in the street now, it's happening more and more that every person I see, I imagine what they look like when they're elderly. And I could see it. I could see how their faces are going to develop because I've drawn so many chins, so many mouths, so many noses, so many eyes, and how the skin surrounds those features of every age. I start seeing how really there are certain sets of certain types of features and through people's lives, as I've drawn so many people at different stages of their lives, I could kind of predict how their face is going to form. And it's something that's only hit me recently. So it's almost and like this weird forensic. Perhaps. But you know I, I mean? never I never intended to do it. But I look at people and I immediately see how they're going to look. When they're don't, old. don't tell me. <laughs> Am I oh, okay? Don't draw me. <laughs> you are all stunning. Uh, a certainly <laughs> stunning podcast crew. I'm just a little balder. That's probably about it. <laughs> yeah, but he has wasn't to draw that, less hair. Wasn't that your... Uh, but that's kind of like a mythological figure's name, I thought, right? Like you were going to grow up to be some great giant killer. I think when I first met you and we swapped email addresses, yours was littlebalder at AOL.com. <laughs> is that a joke or is that real? That, no, well, I think totally, it was littlebalder47 totally because he wasn't the first to ask for it. <laughs> <laughs> Especially that, t- that tag, that username. No, no, Little my Balder forty seven. I've I've had the same email address since like Gmail started. Uh, it's a tool reference. Yeah, and that's that's it. I think I'm, that's the only. I'm totally the only cool one that I've your, had. I'm totally cool with your email handle. I love it. I think it's a great email. Little Balder forty seven at eight oh l dot com. Yeah, and and Maynard, send your comments yeah. to yeah. See, Maynard forty seven at aol dot com. If that's not registered already. Well, I'm oh. not buying any more websites. <laughs> yeah, what are we doing with the other one Nothing that we bought maybe. last week? Ghost Huggers? Yeah. Jimmy, did you get .org? Um, or .net? Dot we net. bought a website last year, last week. Org was very expensive. Org was expensive. It was like uh, .tv. No, dot .tv was expensive. Oh, that's right. I think we got... I, I got, got .com. I got this two of them. I got, actually, I bought three of them. Little I did Balder buy the .com. You so bought three of them? I bought .org. I think it was .org, .net, and .com. All right, so we're going to have to make sure that all of those redirect to NEPA scene. I bought .com. And uh, Ted needs to be our new radio announcer. <laughs> he, can do, he can do all the NEPA intro. scene. Tune it in and rip the knob off. <laughs> That's if we were a classic rock station. Right. right? Yeah. And the most 
classic rock. You should get down there. You should get down to the Times Building and, and just do it right. I thought you meant dance. You should get down there. <laughs> yeah. Don't be scared. All right. So Lauren's question was about education. Mm-hmm. Of course it was. She asked the intelligent ones. And so I said, I, I have to say that I'm uh, most proud and excited as well as benefited from graduating the from the MFA program at the University of Hartford under the direction of Murray Tinkleman, uh, who's a Hall of Fame illustrator from the Society of Illustrators. And my work in educating has me this week teaching at the Society of Illustrators in a program called the Drawing Academy that's led by illustrator Abby Merrill. And I'm also happy to be teaching in that program with Leslie Coburn Gentry, who is the official Strathmore artist as I hold up this pad. I don't know if that's the sound that goes with Strathmore paper. It does. <laughs> it does. And she's a stellar, radiant, rock star, draw star artist who also directs music videos. And she's the daughter of Hall of Fame illustrator Alan Kober. And she teaches at the Fashion Institute of Technology where... I speak uh, on a semester-by-semester basis on courtroom illustration and drawing live music and some topics in between. Is it difficult to teach? Uh, Okay, so tying that in with something that you said earlier about surrounding yourself with people, when you're in that environment, there's no better place. If you have the right teacher and people in an administration who believe in and trust the teacher, and you have students who've had good parents, or maybe they came from some rough areas but are open to a good, positive, encouraging environment, it could be a place like nothing else. Because when I was young and in school and was doing assignments that weren't simply for tests, which I bet has something to do with you saying why you don't read. Usually people who say they don't read start off with having teachers who taught classes who give tests that are only for assessment to prove that the student read the book and questions, yeah, I don't like are, that. Yeah. questions are along the lines of uh, what color handkerchief was the butler holding over the plate when he entered the garden that has nothing to do with the appreciation of the literature. So, Bringing it back into a class, it's somewhere. almost like it's almost like gotcha education. That form of education. That's why I, I. That's why I didn't like. Oh, like gotcha. You didn't read it. Yeah, you're marked Inst- up. instead of okay. being like yeah. instead of being like proactive and saying right. You know, hey, you know, what what was this about? I, I was more concerned about like what was this about than than, than the minutia of like in what year did they go to the garden? Right. You know what I mean? Like that has that doesn't serve the story. It doesn't sure. serve like you're never gonna read that on the jacket on the back. Sure. You know, Stephen King's It was not about like, it never said like this red nosed, you know what I mean? Right. Like they would never describe it. Well, it's just it. like an art history class. Most art history classes are taught for students to remember what goes on the label, who the artist was, mm-hmm. what year it was done, what movement it was and what part of the world it was. And then they can walk into a gallery and tell you what the label reads. See, but see, the more, like if I had to do that, the more important thing to me was like, um, I went to... Uh, when I was in film school, I went to film school in Orlando, and they had the uh, the Ringling Museum of Art was in Sarasota. That's a great school. Um, so I went over there, and we went 
because we had a we had a we had an art class for some reason in film school, but it was what it was. But it was like you know, we went through a semester of months, so you really didn't have a lot of time to just like kind of like soak it in and, and and live with it. Um, and there was this kid there that went on the trip with us, and he was like, "Oh, that's expressionism, and that's blah blah blah, and that's blah blah blah." And it was like, and it was stuff that would just like went all over my head. Mm. And the more important thing for me, and I can only speak personally is that I would have been more interested in like, okay, well, why did that movement happen? Like who started that movement? Why did, you know, why was that, that period of time, right. You know, primarily this type of art, but that's what you have. You have the key element right there is you have the interest. <clears throat> yeah. And even if it's followed by frustration for not knowing that's still good because, and this doesn't even have to <coughs> be isolated to art. It, in any type of education, you need the interest and the frustration for not getting what you're interested in learning could often propel you all the further to learning it. Jimmy, not trying to throw you under the bus. Yeah. Um, in the in the last what six years, you've been teaching six years. Eight. Eight years. This is my eighth. Um, is is has the interest gone down due to in what s- now in the students? Has my interest? No, 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 not your interest. I know, I know where you stand on everything, but have you seen the students' interest go down just because you're 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 you're, you're teaching to a finish line? You're teaching to um, standardized tests. You're teaching to instead of really getting the information in a way that the students can learn it. The and, most and rewarding, them. the most rewarding years that I've had have been when I got to know my students in terms of like just discussing with them what are your interests. It could be an honors class. It could be a, a, a general ed class. It could be a college-bound class. It could be a technical school-bound class. If I can relate something to cars for a group of kids that love cars, like they're going to learn. They're going to learn so yes. much. If I, for an honors class, if if there's certain things if I, that I can find that they are related that I can relate to, and relate my lessons to it, that's that's great. But some classes just are kind of not approachable. There's nothing you can do to please them because they're just. They just don't want to be there. Period. They don't. They don't seem to care. See now, I never. And I haven't. And, and different methods that I try, I can't seem to crack the code as to what would get them to care. Because even consequences, um, they'll do it. They'll do the bare minimum. I've had kids come up to me and say, "How much are these worth? How much is the essay worth?" And they'll do the they'll do the math so that they'll just do just enough to get a passing grade. Now, when I when and, I when I went to school. It was mm-hmm. never because um, my mom's a teacher too, and you have to live up to these state standards where where that's going to dictate what what kind of funding you get, right? And, uh, you well, know, it, how, how the school runs, right? It's and, like it's like well, your yeah. grades are down, you know, like in your class. Why why are your grades down? Because they're not hitting the the Pennsylvania standard of of whatever. And when I went to right. school, it was it was it was totally based on like we had the PSATs, the SATs. Uh, mm-hmm. What was it? The ACTs too. Yeah, was SATs an AC- and ACTs. ACTs, <laughs> and but every. Every inspirational teacher that I had, every inspirational, every every teacher that I had that made me wanted, that made me interested in what they were doing, were allowed to teach in the way that was suitable for them, that they felt comfortable teaching, and what was most relatable to the students. 
Well, that's totally it. Otherwise, it's but that's not common that, that, denominator. What I'm saying is, is that's not what's happening right now. And in, 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 in schools today, it's it's they're not it's, allowed to teach. They're not allowed to teach. Yeah. You're you're allowed to. And Jimmy, what is it? Repeat after me, basically like that. Yeah. Um, which I think is incredibly sad and has sucked the soul out of yeah it's and, and you have to hit certain standards and everything is to the standard and everything even looking back at my assessment. education my the the teachers that stand out in my mind are the ones that tailor a class to the students not just reading from a book of bullet points which it, that's that's been reduced to that when i started education it has comp- it's like bait and switch the, the, the profession that I went into is a completely prof- different profession than what it is now. It's just standard-driven and number-driven. Right now... Um, Quantitative. I don't want to get yes. into too many specifics, but right now, um, one of the big concerns of all the schools in the area is the SAT scores because they hit the papers last week. And how do you address poor scores on SATs? Do you, do you drive students away from the SATs that shouldn't be taking it, in your opinion, as an educator? Or if you feel that their interests lie in something else not college-bound or not bound to a, a school or a college or institution that is going to be looking for SATs or ACTs, do you, drive that, do you drive students away from those types of tests? Is that the way to bring the scores up by telling kids that, hey, um, this, is, this seems to be your interest. Why don't you... Um, why don't we find a way to make this work for this right. class? Why don't we make it work for this class? Or, you know, if, are you, you know, if you're going to be, if you're going to be driven toward an institution that wants SATs or ACTs, okay, okay, you're going to be on this path, and what can we do to bring the scores up? See, Everything see, at the see, bottom, see, the score comes before the student. Unfortunately, it's all numbers. See, I, I, I bring this up because you teach collegiately, mm-hmm. right? So well, I teach all sorts of levels. Right now, I'm focused on high school levels, doing artist and residence work. But I mean, that's not that's not like mandated. It's but it's golden because they they bring me in as an artist in residence. I'm not grading. I'm just uh, I'm there to excite, motivate, inspire, and show them how a life in art makes my life more full and it's really all about the the true gratification of it because what you're talking about when it's about the qualitative approach other than the quantitative approach when it's all accessible and it's all about assessment well that makes it very easy for the teacher to grade because you can use a grading key if everything is about uh, n- numbers and letters choices as opposed to more thorough essay or if that's something like a written test but or if you're talking about gearing it towards the students but if you're going to make it lowest common denominator what the all the teachers could teach together in a universal standardized way and what the students should know in a universal standardized way to be teaching students to do exactly what's necessary. Like you say, Jimmy, the students come up and say, tell me what I need to do to get the grade. If things get pushed along in that, in that mentality where you're doing only what's necessary to get the grade and the goal is the grade, that letter that goes down on the paper, doing what's necessary to get that letter leads to a life of just doing what's necessary to get the paycheck. And then you have people who just go through their day to just watch the clock and get through the day as opposed to doing something that's really meaningful in their lives as could be initiated in the classroom by showing 
why literature is meaningful, and then you have students who want to read. And most students you talk to who like, most people you talk to who like to read started with teachers who made it very exciting to read. My, but the, the, the point of me bringing that up. Right, but let me say one thing. So when you're, cla- now there's software that tracks the teacher based off of the student's performance because now as a teacher, you're part of your, your pay or your, the, the, the decision, well, what should I say? Part of your evaluation as a teacher comes from directly from how well the kids do on this one test on this one day uh, when they're in 10th grade. Now, if you if you get called into the office and you, you know, because one click of a mouse can show all these students under the one teacher. Oh, well, you know, all your students, only 25% of them moved forward or whatever since their last test. Now, 75% of them either stayed where they were on the last test or have done worse. Now, I want to see what you've done in the classroom to improve that based off of these standards. And they, they'll hand you a checklist or whatever. There's a checklist there or all standardized things that you have to match now. And it's not about tailoring it to individual kids like it was in the past because everything has to be to these bullet points and to these, to these things uh, created by the state. So, I mean, yeah, it maybe you can take those and be creative in some way, but it, right. the, the burnout that you get in teachers from that is... That's why, what is it? I think the average lifespan of a teacher now is about five years. Something like that. And the, the Wait, reason- you mean professional lifespan? Yes. Yes, they're done. They're yes. looking for new careers. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. bring and, I, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because because <coughs> of the resume that you have and the involvement that you have in, in, in the institutions and in the organizations that you have, such as- um, uh, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the after high school- Mm-hmm. way of looking at things mm-hmm. um it concerns me because um the, the the passion of the student coming from high school which is your formative years are now as you said they're gonna be worrying about the clock and the paycheck right mm-hmm. they've had sure. nothing to inspire them they've right. had nothing to say hey may, you know maybe life can be looked at in so many different ways right. you know it's just you know Every j- just like being in the courtroom, you know, doing drawings or, or being in a room, you know, y- you actually and to put it in a film term, you're not doing you don't have to do the wide shot. You can do the tight shot. Mm-hmm. What does the tight shot mean? What is what am I trying to you know, they don't they're not getting the opportunity to explore things outside of truly, what the grade yeah. is. Yeah, truly. Which 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 to me hinders, in my opinion, hinders the ability to creative problem solving to being creative, to thinking outside the box, to, to having ingenuity, to having, you know, that's, that's why. So I I bring that up. I bring that up to the concern of being like the, what you see coming in the years to come might be a little bit more, not as fulfilling or disappointing. Yeah. You know, which, that's, which which makes me sad because, like, I know my high school, like, got rid of, like, we're going to keep the football well, the team. the arts are the first thing to get, get cut. But we're going to get rid of the art class. We're that's gonna get why music. We're going to get rid of the class. We're going to get rid of the music class. Right. Well, a, a, a great way to. I'm not putting uh, you on the spot here. I'm just. No, you can put I'm, me on the I'm spot. I'm totally cool. I'm an on the Throw spot Throw myself under the, bu- under the bus. I'm cool yeah. with that. No, we're fine. We're fine. We're all friends. That's, that's, that's a concern that I've had for years. When there was a. They talk about teaching college and teaching high school and other levels. I've also done workshops for when teachers have in-services. I can't remember the 
professional the development. Acts that they have, like they they have to get certain PD points. Yeah, whatever it is, and there's some numbers or something that they have to get, uh, whatever type of to to keep their certification going. Yeah. There, what they're required to do on in service days. Anyway, I would do a workshop in drawing for uh, high school teachers, and. One thing I thought, which is a great thing to start people with, because it's a very difficult thing to do and something that everybody has. Well, I said, okay, I want everyone in the room to draw your hands. And a really interesting thing happened that showed the SAT mentality. Because if you take a room full of people and give them a paper and a pencil and say, draw your hand, I bet you know what they did. That's right. And they outline their hand on the on the piece of paper. Right. Yeah. It's good you're thinking about the listeners at home who won't, who don't yes, have I am. video. Yes, I have to right. say it out loud. Yeah. And it's great how the two of you raced to trace your hands as if you were on a game show without yeah. a buzzer. Yeah. Yeah. So they what they did was they traced their hands. Well, what does that show? They're showing they want to get to the end as fast as they can to give you the desired product without experiencing the process. So they're not as interesting, interested in looking at their hand and seeing what it is that makes this hand interesting to draw, but they just want to give you exactly what you ask for, nothing more to make the requirement. And these are, and these are the educators. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not trying to rip them because I think most people in the world who aren't accustomed to drawing their hands or doing something that would lead them to a greater perception and motivation to draw hands would probably do that. But it just shows that mindset where we're not thinking, no one will stop to look and think, okay, what is this? And what's the direction what is that my I hand? want this hand to be in? And if you took an art student who's drawing well and has a good teacher, they'll, they'll take a good look at it first. So but that's an interesting thing. So then I said uh, next to them, I, I said, okay, well, I'll make it a little harder. And now you all have to draw your hand with, uh, and I said, you can't, you, you can't outline your hand. It must be, you have to keep that line at least, oh, I said, your, your hand has to be one and a half times as big. So what did they do? They put the hand down and then they traced it like as if it was Bugs Bunny hand and got and like they <laughs> blew it up from the thumb. Right. And, right. So it's always oh. it is that mentality. Like, Jimmy, <laughs> you say it's show me. Whoa. How do I get to the finish line without finding my way through right. the course? Or as you said earlier on, to tie things in together, the scenic route. Now, on the element of reading and what you mentioning uh, cliff Notes earlier on and and uh, Borders, which later became BAM. I worked at Borders. And one thing that I would do, which would often have me threatened to be fired, which I felt compelled to do, if I may tell you, I would refuse the sale of Cliff Notes to students who would come in who obviously did not read the book. Right. And this would drive managers crazy. <laughs> and parents would come up. Now, you, you might agree with me if I could say, which usually dates a person as being older, when I was younger, we would hide cliff notes from our parents because our parents would, would not allow us to do would that. Would not allow us yeah. to have cliff notes. So someone would- Read the book, Johnny. That's right. right. That's exactly it. So someone would acquire the cliff notes and share them with everybody else. Yes. But when I was working at Borders, parents would be bringing their kids up by the wrist to the desk, to the counter, saying- you better get through this because you better get that grade where they're more interested in the grade than how honestly they achieve it. So what I would say, which was all bogus, uh, I'd tell them that it's borders policy, that 
a student must demonstrate an experience of actually reading the actual text before they can be permitted to buy the Cliff Notes. And they're so nervous about getting ready for this test that they're more likely they're more likely to believe this. They're more gullible at this point. So a kid would come up and have Cliff Notes. And of all things, it would be something for... Uh, Canterbury would, Tales. Yeah, like yeah. something like, why would you even need uh, Cliff Notes for Lord of the Flies? And I right. and so I might book. ask, yeah. a, and an exciting book, and I might ask uh, a, a simple question on um, on it, and the kid would blow it, and then the mother would smack the kid, and I'd take the book and place it <laughs> to the shelf that was for books to be put back out in stock. And someone would go and snitch, and the manager would come out and say, your job here is to sell books. It's not to refuse the sale of books. To which I'd reply, I don't really think a bookstore is fulfilling its mission if its role in selling books surpasses that of spreading the appreciation for literature. Oh. Which they, Damn. I mean, it still could have caused me trouble, and yeah. it did. <laughs> <laughs> and it's usually the manager who's like, what did that mean? Now, you you also do uh, drawing sessions at the uh, Society of Illustrators in New York City. But I love no place more in the world than the Society of Illustrators. And I've been going there since I was uh, in master's programs with Murray Tinkleman, as I mentioned. And it's an absolute great honor to be hosting drawing sessions monthly at the Society of Illustrators through Bill Donovan, who's the main artist for Christian Dior, who's the co-chair of the Sketch Night series at Society of Illustrators. So I'm there when they have themes like often burlesque or tattooed models or a term I learned called nerdlesque, which is burlesque taking on pop culture themes. Uh, that seems something you would do, Lauren. Do? Nerdlesque. That's okay. <laughs> a compliment. I was so, it to be. And uh and then uh, coming up in in March is a, a lingerie night and if I ever thought in my life you would be at a lingerie <laughs> night and hosting a lingerie night. You're hosting? Drawing, yeah. Now do, you, do you, are you teaching all I ages don't know what at I'm going to wear. Are you are you are you getting <laughs> all different kinds of people in there? A moo moo. It's uh that sounds good. Thank you, Mark. Uh, You're welcome. Uh it's well that's not teaching. That's just facilitating. So right. and there are people who come to that event who are serious veteran solid respected renowned illustrators. And here I run drawing sessions in Scranton, PA with maybe eight to 12 people, 15 on a nice night. Mm -hmm. And everybody has a great seat and can see the model. And that's at the old brick theater on market street in North Scranton. That's called drama club. And it happens every Tuesday night, six to nine. And then I'm attending regularly these drawing sessions called special sketch night at the society of illustrators in New York on 63rd and Lexington. And now Monthly, I'm hosting one where there's 60 to 100 people yeah. in the room. And it's quite different. It's on the Upper East Side. So it's pretty wild. Well, can you can you talk about the, the art scene locally? I mean, it seems like uh, there's so much focus on art in the area. I mean, you have things like uh, First Friday 
and uh, you know, Third Friday in Wilkes-Barre, and there's there's all these popping up over and over. Uh, you know, Pittston has one as well, and um, you know, there's there's different types of artists. I see all different kinds of artists, uh, but I mean, is there a community? Are they kind of broken apart in little pockets? I mean, do they support each other? I mean, what what is the art the, scene the like best, here? The best people do. Uh, you're always going to have the people in whatever areas. Uh, art especially because a lot of things go back to being rooted in the insecurities that are caused or amplified in high school and who can hang out with who by what jeans they wear or what cars their parents drive. And so you're going to have some, some of that element here and there. But the best people I know and work with well have a strong element of community and camaraderie and collaboration. And I use my alliteration with you because you're a word guy. And <laughs> Muchly appreciated. And Wearing a Tron t-shirt, which I love. Thank you. It glows in the dark, by the way. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. He's not talking about a shirt. <laughs> that's right. And he's talking about that sex solar panel on top of his head. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> another great email address yeah uh, at AOL at, <laughs> at Netscape so but okay and a great example of that is you mentioned Third Friday which I think is this Friday in Wilkes-Barre yeah. and at the Wyoming Valley Arts League following every Third Friday they have a drawing session mm-hmm. and that's run by Robert Bergstrasser who's known by his friends as Bergie and he's a sculptor in Wilkes-Barre and he comes to my drama club drawing session on Tuesday nights, as well as the synesthesia social on Sundays. So we get to know each other and encourage our people to go to each other's sessions. And that's when it works great. When we want everyone to do well and it's non-competitive and we cheer each other on. And that's when it goes great. And also there are other artists in the area who, uh, have drawing sessions or drawing demonstrations like Bill Tightsworth. And he's very much instrumental in the artworks gallery on Lackawanna Avenue. And we draw together from a model a lot. And it's really helpful as with anything you do, you do it around your friends. Just like the key thing you said earlier on, Mark was you surround yourself by people who, and just like you said, even if they're not, driving towards the exact same destination and the exact same yeah. type of car you are, if you're in sync with each other, just as most of my friends are predominantly improvisational jazz musicians. But it's all a language, and it takes a lot of dedication and time due. So I'm going to close out this scenic uh, segue that I started half an hour ago. And going back to this social element of the education that you do and finding supportive groups now of people. Now I see why you're here. Can she you tell keeps me? us on track so we don't start talking about farts and oh boy, and girl burps and girl burps. Can can you tell us a little bit about synesthesia social? I'd love to tell you about synesthesia social because this is something I've created to encompass all these things that I love, which is drawing live music, drawing live music. And friends, and friends who like this live music and to see drawing and who want to have, this might be the rare element, want to have some type of connection with culture and an artistic venue and event in the area 
without any intimidation, which often is the case because people feel if they're going to go see some sophisticated music and art taking place, they think people are going to be speaking over their heads. There's going to be some element of elitism and there's going to be a stuffy type of mentality and attitude. And I want it to be entirely friendly and welcoming. And that's why that word social is the second word in the title. And what synesthesia is, is the element often associated with a condition where someone can see colors while hearing music or hear notes while looking at colors. But as my great dearest initial drawing teacher, Fred Brenner, brought it to me as the study of connecting the arts. What type of drawing, as you said earlier on, your friend was talking to you about expressionism and impressionism. Well, just as impressionism is associated with art, there were also impressionistic musicians. So what connects those paintings with those musicians? What elements are in works of music that connects it with works of painting and drawing? So not that we expect people to make art exactly as the music is, but it's a great exchange. And and they're doing it. And yeah, and people yeah. come in or people come in and they write in a notebook or people come in and they do homework on their laptop or people just hang out. Yeah, I wasn't saying that as like a question. I was saying that as like, and they're there. Like, right. that's the point. You like, are there. Yeah. And anybody can be there. Right. Anybody. Anybody. Right. You don't have to, you don't have to be an artist to, you know, come and, and, and appreciate this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great place to see some exciting, creative stuff going on. It's one of those great opportunities, as you say, if you've fallen out of being an art. At any place, uh, fallen out of or uh, Never sticking had your the toe into the pool or <laughs> wherever anyone is in life, whether they believe art comes from the left side of your brain or your ankle. I'm laughing because I just watched Poltergeist and it's like, Gwen a lot. All are welcome. All are welcome. <laughs> like, that's, I don't know. That I thought that was funny when he was saying that because I'm like, that's pretty cool because like everybody can come. Even if you're a poltergeist, you're welcome. Even if you're Tangina, you can come. <laughs> you can come. Uh, so, okay, speaking and of. There's as- no, and there's no ego and there's no animosity. Right. There's no. Totally right. We're not putting work up on the wall to see who's best. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, and, and that also goes for musicians, too. I've been running this event way back when it was called Drawing Social at Test Pattern Gallery, and it's gone through a few venues since. And, of course, I love this home that both the Synesthesia Social event has as well as the Drama Club event on Tuesday has at the Old Brick Theater through Diva Productions run by Paige Belitsky and Bob Belitsky. And they believe so much in making everything go great And that's when it happens. And once again, to tie something in earlier on, when you thanked Rich for bringing all these people to the events he has, there's no fuel like the attaboy. And when someone gives you a pat on the back and says, that's great what you're doing. And that's also another key element in education. When you cheer each other on, then great things happen. And that's that's not going to weigh really heavily in on the Eureka meter. We know that. But a lot of people act like they don't know that. Right. So, uh, so getting back to Paige and Bob Belitsky, they love seeing these events happen. They love people coming into the old brick theater. Paige every week will bake cakes and treats for people to enjoy, and she puts out coffee and hot water for tea. And Bob will set up 
the lights according to how people in the room want them for the live music as well as the artists. Or once again, for people just coming in there to kick back and watch. So it's a great event. And it also works for the musicians because as I said, when it started way back in 2006 at Test Pattern, right around this very time, so it's nine years, it was for musicians on that side of the event to come in on one end who were veteran musicians who wanted to have a venue to experiment and play freely without any type of expectation of the venue, as well as way on the opposite end where you had young aspiring musicians like Chet Williams and Adam Walker Serrano, who's now Adam Catscratch or Penny Pincher or Luke Shevsky, who just played last week, where they could come in and have a venue when they were playing in their teens. And another thing is it's an all-ages event. There's no alcohol. And it's very student-driven and targeted. Well, it's, but we, it's pure. Yeah. Well, the, the art is the stimulant. Yeah. And the music. So people came in last night uh, to the Synesthesia Social, and they came from Fashion Institute of Technology for students, young aspiring artists who were really excited about it, bust in from Long Island through Manhattan to Scranton. And they were surprised that this band never played before with each other. They thought these guys play with each other on a weekly basis and rehearse. But it was Wayne Smith on piano, Chelsea Smarr on harp, Julian Sparacino on flute and saxophone, and Brian Finelli on poetry. And so it's kind of beat, like it, with a uh, a capital B, like the Beatniks, like right, the time right. of yeah. Jack Kerouac and Allen Ginsberg and this jazzy stuff going on with poetry, but it's modernized. And yeah. so these guys are playing in an improvisational language and taking cues from each other. But even though they haven't played together as a trio with a poet, they know their language so well and they're so sharp that they can play together that people in the crowd think that these are rehearsed songs when they're actually improvisations that they're playing for the first time. That's got to be amazing. Yeah, come dig it. And the the art that comes out of it is always interesting too because you're always drawing whoever the, the featured performer is right. that, that night. Yep. So there's always uh, uh, that, that piece of art that comes out of that. And then uh, you did, uh, I believe it was about maybe a year ago or so, you kind of did a full gallery of those. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I had a solo uh, exhibition. Thank you called uh, Live Inc. <laughs> and uh, and that was really, really rewarding because it wasn't just rewarding for me, but I can bring in all my friends, musicians, poets, and people who have come and performed and not just show, look what I'm capable of, this is my art, yeah. but these are all my friends and they're represented on the walls from drawings that I did in that spot when all my friends who are musicians played. And it's a great thing to have that element of cultural community. And then I had musicians playing in the center of the floor. And people come in and they dig it. And I think people drink less. And you even had the the, the waitresses in their dresses, which I thought was great. Thank you, Rich. Tell, tell them about that. Well, uh, so if you know First Friday, oftentimes if you look at photos of uh, First Friday, there's often crowds in the middle of galleries facing in with a glass of wine talking to each other. 
And of course, you have a gallery exhibition opening because you want people to be looking at the walls. What is this stuff on the walls I take for granted? But thank you for the wine and cheese. <laughs> that's yeah. pretty good. That's pretty good. That's a great soundbite. Yeah. So I, I put the musicians in the center to push the crowd out towards the walls. And I had Carl von Luger cater the opening just as they catered this party that I had at Synesthesia Social last week. And you can go and check out some murals that I did on the windows for a winter scene, as well as on the walls for a live jazz scene featuring their own live jazz performers, which they have every Friday night. So they catered the show, but I thought, well, a lot of people come to First Friday just to dig into the spread. So cocktail waitressing is the way to go. Cocktail waitresses. And I said, and I was, uh, reimbursing most of the performances with drawings, with live art. Let's exchange. So one girl suggested, why don't we get white dresses and draw on them? So in the theme of it being all ink on the wall, I drew an ink on these dresses. I stretched them out on cardboard. And then the girls would be wearing dresses featuring a portrait of each of the musicians who were playing in the quartet that night. Doug Smith, Jason Smeltzer, Jamie Orfanella and Matt Scola and come on what musician isn't going to love to see these pretty charming delightful radiant girls walking around with a dress with a drawing with them on it yeah that's and pretty cool in. and then they're offering you these stuffed strawberries I'm sure it was uncomfortable for them as you're drawing on the mother wearing this dress but you know, I mean, you know. <laughs> if only it happened that way but I get asked that question a lot it's a tough life uh so <laughs> And and then this way they <laughs> they would keep the the hors d'oeuvres the appetizers circulating around where the artwork was, so they'd be forced to. <laughs> <laughs> well, it it truly is like the carrot. Even yeah. if even if somebody came for the food to get the food, they were confronted with art. Yeah, there's always a challenge. How do you win? <laughs> And if you're curious to to you know uh, get a little preview of, of what you see at uh, Synesthesia Social, uh, we just put up uh, some photos and some video uh, of a, a recent party that you guys did there. As we're talking, <laughs> no, uh, within the last 2015, week. man. Oh, excellent. That's true. I probably could. That's excellent. And uh, so you can you can check those out on the website and uh, and kind of get an idea of of uh, you know what what you're going to see there. But um, and we've we've done a lot of photo galleries in the past of uh, Synesthesia Social too. And I can't say enough of just how much f- how fun it is and how uh, it's it's so unique for the area. And it's this this great little gem. And I really wish more people would take the chance on it and just go and check it out because I, like I, th- I think you said there there may, might be a little intimidating. They might say, oh, I don't know, it's might not be my scene or, you know, I don't know these people and, uh, you know, they might, th- oh, it's a bunch of artists. I don't, I, I don't, you know, fit into that or, you know, it might be too pretentious for me or whatever, but it's, it's totally not, you know, there's I no, think there's, I think there's like this, this black eye that's been given to artists since a long time ago. You know what I mean? Right. I think, I think, I think they're very, you know, artists are a woodworker is an artist an iron worker is an artist. I mean, and, and a plumber is an artist, you know, I think that, you know, as long as you're really good at something that what you do and you can, you know, find a, find a creative way to do it. I think that's art. You know, I, I'm the guy that's like, okay, this tripod's art, this microphone's art, like that lamp is art. Those speakers are art. Like somebody had to sit and design it and where figure do we start it out. eating? Yeah. 
don't know what that means. Let's get this place catered. <laughs> <laughs> so I and 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 I think that people think that you know just because um, somebody does sculpture or somebody does ceramics or somebody does you know you know watercolors or whatever that they think that you know those people are like you're gonna get to get talked at. You're not. Well, you know, so- most people, the most from my experience, artists want their art to be seen. Right. And, and they want it to be seen by everyone as possible. And I, I think I think it's important for all of these artists to uh, to get together and help each other. And that's something sure. that I've really pushed through the site as yeah. much as I can. Is that I, I feel like uh, you know some of these musicians should be showing up to events like these. And then you know the 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 illustrative artist should be going to. Con- I know you're you're a music guy, so I don't have to tell you to go to shows. But a lot of these artists, I think they expect them. Well, show up to my you know gallery event or whatever else. Well, you need to show up to you know a local band show, and then the local band I, needs to come and see you, and we we need to to all work together. Uh, and that's that's what you see happening at just, things like just synesthesia to ex- social. Just to, just to exclamation point what you just said. There was a lot of uh, comedians from your open mic that were here for Buddy Wakefield on Saturday. Right, and they've never done that. Oh, before. that's nice when that happens. When you bring. Yeah. When you bring one crowd from one place to another, they that's, loved it. That's cross pollination. Yeah, they exactly. loved it, and they never thought that they would. Right, and that's the thing is is a lot of times uh, you're going to surprise yourself by what you find. Sure, there. you know yeah. you're going to go to something like this. Like when when I met Ted, uh, you know I was a, a, a young reporter and I I had no idea what he was up to or what he was doing, <laughs> and it was so it was I, I was going in blind. I was given the assignment. I, I it wasn't even something I had that a I bullseye on the side of my head. Yeah, yeah. Actually, when when I, when I showed up, you had this uh, this bullseye shaved into the side of his head. Really? So yeah, yeah. It, which was all different colors and everything. See so this this crazy haircut. Go to Christian Bennett at Alexander Salon. Yeah, and, oh, Christian, bullseye. and like you know. Uh, you know, we, we sit down and it's before, uh, you know, he, he had, uh, uh, it was, I don't know, it wasn't a, a drawing session per se. It was... Uh, that was a chalk mural at the old vintage on right. Penn Avenue. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so you were doing this just chalk mural, which of course then would be erased and then you'd, you'd do yeah. it again. Yeah, they were always you know? erased. You know. But I, it was about, well, that was at the time when, with all First Friday events, preparing a gallery exhibition, which then is... D- uh, spotlighted on first Friday is, is expensive and putting framing together. Oh, sure. And yeah. it takes a lot of time to do all the framing. And I thought, well, I'm an extemporaneous artist. I do things right. And then they're on the spot. Why don't I just do an extemporaneous gallery and just draw it as it happens, draw people as they come in. And what better way to tie people into an exhibition and have them feeling connected to an exhibition than to make them the subject to the exhibition. So it started off with big chalk walls. And then I thought, man, a lot of these are getting erased. And I liked it in the beginning that <laughs> they were fleeting, but now they're gone. Right. So I started buying big rolls of Strathmore paper. Now, on you saying uh, bringing crowds to Synesthesia Social, it's also very reasonably priced, uh, dare to say cheap, at $2 for students. What could students get for 2 bucks? Live music for three hours. And $5 general admission. And also, I very much should say with great amounts of appreciation that this year, 2015, the Lackawanna County grant has funded uh, an amount to the Synesthesia Social, Yeah, which is quite nice. Oh, congratulations. So thanks God to the county commissioners for that. So that's really great that mm-hmm. we can do some extra things with that and 
so hats off and much thanks to the Lackawanna County Grant. Uh, also, uh, another thing that's very pertinent is some marriages have come out of the really? social, not just relationships, but people have met their spouses to be. And friends of mine, a friend of mine, John Galoni, who is a great, perhaps the greatest friend of the event since its birth in 2006, said we should start charging a matchmaker's fee <laughs> because so many, and it was usually it, more often than not, it would be a guy in a band would meet a girl who was a student at a local school who would come in and they'd start going out. And several of them went on to get married and several of them are engaged at the time still with plans to get married as engaged people plan. Yeah. And a, and a lot of friendships have come out of that too. I mean, that's, and that's the most important thing. You know, you know that's, that's how we became friends. That is how we became I, friends. You know, I, 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 you know, we started off kind of doing just the back and forth interview mm-hmm. and then it was like, no, I'm going to hang around. I want to see what, you know, what he's going to do and how this is going to work and stuff. And of course he ended up drawing me into it which, you know, you don't want to do as a, as a reporter, you don't want to put yourself in the story. Like that's, you know, mistake number one. And there he is drawing me into the story. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'm part of this. Oh, in the first interview, I did draw you. (laughs) Yeah. You you were were drawing me and I'm like, okay, I guess we're part of this now. Right. Yeah. Cause that's how we connect. Yeah. And then, and then after, you know, we had got along so well and afterwards it was, I think you had asked me to hang out and I was like, yeah, yeah. You know, I'll just hang out after or whatever. And it was, it was unconventional. But at that point it was like, uh, you know, I saw that there was this cool, thing going on and it just kind of developed from there and uh but i mean i've i the the, all the events that you've done i think uh you know combine all of those really cool interesting elements and bring all these creative people together which i think is so important because like you said these creative people feed off each other you know like when i hung when i worked in retail and i hung out with people who worked in retail uh a lot of that creative juice got i got sucked out of me you know i really felt like uh, I was always dealing with, uh, you know, people whining about how much their lives sucked and how the customers sucked and how the jobs sucked. And that's all we did was talk on and on and on about that kind of thing. Right. And it really just led everybody to just want to go out to the bar and drink and not really yeah. do anything. Well, let's take a look around. We're currently experiencing the good old days. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're... you're and, and so many people, I think, just use that excuse. And I think instead, if they uh, open themselves up to arts and culture, I think they would they would find much more fulfillment in that. Yeah. Well, and and on that, in terms of drawing away into friendships, most people think artists, as most artists do, sit home in their studios and uh, sweatpants uh, with their dog cuddled, cuddled up below the desk and. <laughs> draw in isolation where this is a very right. social way of drawing and drawing into friendships and and also at the synesthesia social as people watching a live act are typically compelled to watch and enjoy the live music but as soon as there's a break or at the end of the show the musicians come down to talk to the crowd look at what they're doing and yeah. it's it's only a stage for that element to be able to, for them to be visible, but not to put them above anybody. They don't disappear backstage. Everybody talks to each other. If people are drawing, the musicians want to see it. Mm-hmm. Or people have questions uh, like the improvisation. How does this happen if you've never rehearsed this right. before? 
So, uh, you know, since since we, I, I don't really have a, a, a seg here, but I know this is something that, that Mark wanted to, to really mention. This is a seg in the stewed that's cued. I don't even yeah. remember what I wanted to mention. You well, uh, we 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 obviously we got into the courtroom stuff a little bit, but uh, you know, with Hugo Solinsky just being found guilty, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Eric Freen, of course, still being in the news and will be for a long time to come. Uh, you know, what what was it like to do those, and and you know, what was what was the, the the what were those guys like from your perspective as an artist? How do you draw them? Like that's it's you know, and, and, and I and I know like. The kind of answer to that, but but literally like knowing what the knowing what they've th- done, knowing what they've done, like how well, do you, I, how do you draw that? Like, do you have to draw them? Like you said before, you know, you're when you're like, I know when to take a wrinkle out. I know when to. So like, is there is there a way to? That's what I'm curious about because it's like well, you know two, these people like two probably it, as you say their as, aura has horns or, or I whatever. do I do have to draw them literally. Because I have to draw them as I see them. Right. I can't take liberties. Uh, I will say that when I was drawing the illegal immigrant ordinance for CNN when it was uh, back in 2007, when it was... Was that Hazleton? It was a Lou Barletta. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. The illegal immigration ordinance. And that made national news. I was on... I was on... The work I did was for CNN. CNN was my employer, as well as CNN and Espanol. So I had to learn how to... Two paychecks. Draw, I had to learn how to draw in Spanish very fast. <laughs> and still... And you could see I still draw with an accent. Uh, so... <laughs> Under the cheesy jokes. So, but it, Lou Barletta, for some reason, maybe God is playing with Photoshop from above, but his face takes on shadows more deeply and darkly than anyone else in the room, which therefore, to someone who's thinking about lighting, or even anyone who doesn't know about lighting, is going to see him looking a little bit more dark. Sinister. Yeah. Yeah. So... There are those times where I had to think, uh, do I ease up on that, even though it's what I see? Because if someone sees a photo from a camera, they are going to blame themselves if something's wrong. They might think that they might have to start using some type of product more or stop eating some certain kind of food yeah. or do more exercises or just not show that side of their face when a camera's in the room and people get insecure. But if you're drawing them, People will blame you, the right. artist, for yes. making them look like that. And interesting is you threw me a softball as talking about uh, putting wrinkles or not in the face, if you don't mind an anecdote. Drawing a lawyer on that trial for Hazleton uh, was, of course, tense, intense, as they all are. And talking about the passion of pursuing something in art, I don't get excited and jittery about drawing in the courtroom. Well, actually I do, but I probably shouldn't admit that to too many people because court these trials are there for people doing really horrible things. But I'm not excited about the horrible things that were done. I'm excited about the commission and this opportunity to draw this big news. And so this guy comes up who's a lawyer for Hazleton and his forehead is corrugated because he's intense. Yeah. And when you're talking about two paychecks, there is another business side to being a courtroom illustrator because I'm hired by a TV channel. Sometimes uh, a newspaper picks up secondary rights and they are buying the rights to broadcast 
or publish the artwork right. where I keep, I retain the property of the original artwork, which then can so, be- So it's like and, licensing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then the original artwork is often found appealing to lawyers in the room or perhaps a witness or the mayor who might want to have that drawing, purchase that drawing for his or her office or home. Uh, a lot of law firms- make the good decision to buy drawings of the lawyers that are in the court who are in their firm to show in the waiting area, which not only dresses and adorns and so immediately brings sophistication to the room by having the presence of art, but it's immediately tied into them. But it also serves as trophies. Yes. Because they were associated with these high profile high profile courts or the high, high profile trials. So, okay. So this anecdote is this guy is at the stand and he's cross-examining the witness and his forehead is all uh, ruffled up and corrugated. And he came over because he was very proud of himself that day. And he wanted to purchase this drawing, which he was immediately discouraged from doing when he saw all the creases I showed in his forehead. And of course, this is journalism. <laughs> this isn't fashion where you would leave the lines out. However, the next day he came up to me and said, uh, Ted, as he remembered my name, because I'm friendly. And he said, he said, uh, I'm gonna order you two, I'm gonna offer you two things, and one is an apology, and the other one is a check. I'd like to buy that drawing. Uh, it turns out his wife was watching from Pittsburgh on CNN, saw the drawing, thought he looked very daring, dashing, in command, and sexy, and wanted to have that drawing to hang up at home. So of course, <laughs> you know, he was gonna buy it. Well, happy wife. Yeah. yeah. Happy life. <laughs> there we are. We keep coming around. So, uh, so, so, uh, uh what, what about, um, these, these two trials, uh, were you, were unique at all? I mean, granted the, the, you know, Hugo is, is finished, but, uh, Eric's just getting started, but, uh, you know, how was, how was Hugo? Uh, well, 2015 started off in January with the Eric Frayne preliminary hearing, or as those I work with, with call the prelim. And then Hugo Selinski's trial started uh, at the end of January. And, of course, they're opposite ends of extremes, but that's only because Hugo Selinski's trial is going to be opposite ends of extremes for most people. Because if I give a talk on courtroom illustration, I'll ask the crowd to show me what most defendants do, especially in a murder trial, as soon as they leave the courtroom, as soon as they leave the courthouse, because that's where the cameras can pick them up outside because they can't come in. What do most defendants do, especially in a murder trial, as soon as they leave the courtroom and are picked up by the cameras? Put their head down? They put their head down or they put something in front of their head to obstruct their face. And Hugo, when I drew his trial back in 2006, his defense attorney would push him in front of the camera. And that's the route he's been taking ever since. Well, because he, he, he almost seemed like a vigilante. Well, it is really like Breaking Bad come to life where you, you have Eric... Or falling down, but in a weirder... Eric Frayne. Now, there was a much different atmosphere there that the temperature dropped much further than it read uh, as this this was some horrible things that happened that led right. into this into this hearing and this took the life of a state trooper and injured another who were family men their husbands their fathers their sons and meant a lot to a lot of people uh 
Now, so that's definitely going to set a different tone. And I got to talk to some of the the state troopers who were there, who, of course, were at that hearing for Eric Frayn in great number to be present for security, of course, as well as support. Now, the Hugo Solinsky trial is more like something you'd see on TV and would believe... Nancy Grace. ...would not believe could ever happen. <laughs> because, as you say, like, uh, vigilante, I never heard that word thrown around before. Well, because the argument that I heard back then was that, like, you know... I even heard it on Talkback 16 when he was people are like this old woman called up like, I don't know why everybody's got to be so mean to Hugo Zelensky. So some people out there believe that because, you know, he committed heinous crimes against heinous people, that that should almost give him a pass. Uh-huh. That's kind of like their view of it. Right. So I'm not, you know, and like I said, they're, they're two, you know, equally horrifying, but very opposite in tone and scope and 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 what what these guys did sure. and and what the public perception is of them hell sure. women were falling all over hugo yeah I, he was like ted bundy in like the 80s yeah. like people were you know jimmy was telling me he's like you know he's getting court he's getting jailhouse love letters and you know blah 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 and yeah you know that's i don't think eric frains really getting that well you you uh you're aware of the band uh Lugosi's Morphine wrote a song about Hugo. Oh, really? And I play it. I don't know if I could. I don't have my phone on me, but I, I don't know if I could play it here for rights purposes or whatever on your podcast. But <laughs> who knows? Lugosi's Morphine wrote a song called Go, Hugo, Go. And if I give a talk on courtroom illustration, it certainly brings the college students or if there's a young crowd watching to reel into the, with interest for that to hear right. a punk band chanting over and over again, go, go, Hugo, go. <laughs> but this is Which a guy... Is really bizarre. This yeah. is a guy who escaped from prison. Who murdered people, got put in prison, and escaped then by tying put all the bed, bed sheets, sheets together. together. <laughs> yep. And got caught again. And word was from some guards that I was talking to that as they were making their way down the side of the prison wall, there were... Uh, he they went because he, he escaped with his cellmate who fell and then became paralyzed from the neck down. Right. And as they went by the floor that was for the more uh, uh, criminally insane, so to speak, that uh, a couple of the inmates started yelling that there were men walking down the outside of and no one believed the building them. and no one took them seriously. Right. They just brought them some milk. <laughs> so And a cookie. But uh, yeah, so... When when I just drew this trial recently, something that I never thought would be seen happened right there as I'm sitting a little bit further back than I was able to get ahead later on, thanks to the very kind John O'Connell, who's a caricature artist. Uh, Hugo stood as the people in attendance in the in the courtroom stood as the jury is escorted in and then the last people to come in because no one is to be outside to be able to talk to them. And as the jury comes in, Hugo turns and nods pleasantly at each individual juror coming into the room as if welcoming them to a party where he's the guest of honor. <laughs> like the Count of Monte Cristo, he's like... Did, did he did he make uh, contact with you at any point? Did he oh, enjoy getting drawn? Yeah, yeah I, well, I don't know. I, I've been in trials where defendants have given me the nastiest looks yeah and well i'm sure when i did 
when when I did coverage for the Kids for Cash, Chevrella and Conahan, yeah, those guys weren't very happy about being drawn as well. They weren't happy at all about being uh, w- on the defense and not as judge, right? As they once were. So, uh, which by the way was was interesting when that became a documentary movie, which I'm told is now on Netflix. It is. It is. Uh, there is a scene where they show uh, the editor at the time of Times Later, Joe Butkevich, looking through the drawings that I did of the trial. And then with that, I made some phone calls when it was shown in film festivals to go and give talks. And I love giving talks about art because I love art and I love talking to a crowd of people who are very interested in the drawings. And boy, was I wrong because (laughs) talking to a crowd of people coming to see a documentary on kids for cash are people who want their hatred fueled to hate these former judges all the more for this horrid corruption. And they don't want to hear me talk about what temperature I keep my ink as art students will ask. (laughs) And they don't want to hear me talk about how some guy thought I drew him to look too wrinkly and then his wife thought it sexy. They don't want to hear anything about that. Right. All they want to hear is more and more reason to hate these men. Yeah. Did they ever give you shit? Did they ever? It's the, the whole gossip column stuff of what they wanted to know. Maybe. Yes. No. Did Wait, did who? Like those those people would want to know more about like you know what were they like what was the room like you know what I mean like yeah, you know, were they cold like, to you were oh, they you just to justify their you hate or drawn them uglier or whatever and I always have well not in a long time but for a while I would have friends who would ask me to draw uh, them or perhaps Chewbacca or R two D two in the jury box. <laughs> But, you should do that once just to make sure people are paying attention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd go real far. Uh, <laughs> and juror number three. <laughs> and so, but uh, but but one thing that did happen with the the Conahan and Chevrella trial when I was first called in to do that, I did that work for CBS, and I was teaching a drawing class at Keystone College at the time. And it was coming towards the end, and I would never pull out my cell phone during a class. However, I saw that it was CBS, and CBS calls you, you pick up the phone and walk outside the class. And that's the reason I'm teaching them there in the first place, because I'm a working professional and making a better teacher to get back in a reference into that whole education discussion. So it turns out they say, uh, I have to get to the courthouse in 45 minutes. Well, why is that? Why would they call the day of? Because they weren't giving out an announcement. I'm not jumping too far ahead, right? We all know Chevrella and Conahan, the people who got money yes. kickbacks for putting. Yeah, we've and we've talked about the yeah, kids if, for if cash. If the people around here don't know before. what happened there, then that's please, their fault. yeah, please look it wanna, up and, and watch the movie ahead. on Netflix, which features your drawings. Uh, so oh, thank you very much. And so <laughs> they weren't giving any type of advance notice for this trial. Because they didn't want to give the large, angry mobs of hostile parents a heads up on when to wait outside the courtroom. For, yeah, because they don't know them. what the hell is going to happen. Right. In fact, they were even they even brought Chevelle and Conahan into the back of the courthouse. So I had no idea this was happening, and I'm teaching this class, and I probably 
had my Tron t-shirt on as you have on now and I had jeans and I did not look like I was ready to go into a courthouse and I didn't have any supplies, but where better place to be than in a college drawing class. And as a good deputy sheriff, I asked to uh, have everyone place their supplies out on, out on the table. And I asked if anyone had a suit in their dorm that might fit me. And of course it was the biggest kid in the class. So I ended up taking student supplies with me in someone's suit and it was huge on me. So I looked like David Byrne of stop making sense going yes. into the federal courthouse with a duct tape. <laughs> Chopping down your arm. <laughs> you may ask yourself. A duct taped, a duct taped box of pastels uh, streaming these rainbow uh, dusty trails as I walked in. <laughs> But on getting back to Hugo and teaching drawing classes, uh, a trial will usually go 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., sometimes later. And they went later with Hugo because there was so much. And I would I was teaching a, a class at a university from 3 to 6. And I told them, I'm going to be late, but please stay. And here's what you'll start on. And they said, say no more. Just make sure you bring the drawings because we want to see Hugo before the rest of the world mm-hmm. sees him at 6 o'clock. And the girls did not know whether they should be creeped out or crushing on him. That's bizarre. Yeah. They, there was so much love for him. There was so much uh, Hugo attraction. Whereas, uh, you know, Eric, I don't know, did Eric even make eye contact with anybody? Or was well, he... Th- that was so high security that no one was allowed to go anywhere near him and mm-hmm. everyone had to stand as he was walked into the room and uh, he, but I'm friendly. I, I talked to the, the, you weren't the like, state you weren't police. Like, hey, Eric. <laughs> no, not, no, not to the <laughs> defendant, but uh, Welcome. I, I, I was speaking to the, the state troopers and I found myself in a situation after the trial where I was cleaning up while everyone else was supposed to be gone. And I did do one drawing that had all the state troopers in it just to show in the news the great support. presence yeah, of the yeah. state troopers and their support. So they liked seeing that. And uh, so they weren't in any hurry to chase me out. Mm. So I ended up being in the room when everyone else was supposed to be gone. And they were leading the defendant to uh, outside the courthouse, outside the courthouse. So you're just chilling. I'd imagine. Well, your, your art, I mean, really takes you to, uh, to so many different places. I mean, you probably never know where you're going to be next or, or who you're going to be drawing next. Sliding down the razor blade of life. <laughs> huh. Like a snail. What's, 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 what do you got going on in the future besides uh, murder trials? Well, uh, on a note entirely outside of drawing, although it does have very much to do with drawing on the social end, is... At the end of 2014, I was brought on to be the ringmaster for the Eclectic Circus. And of course, we're in Scranton, and Scranton loves St. Patrick's Day parades, and parade season is coming up. So I'll be ringmaster for the Eclectic Circus out of the Jim Thorpe area as they are in the parades of Scranton and Pittston and Jim Thorpe. So that'll be quite fun. 
And they just performed at a synesthesia social, right? They did at the synesthetic birthday party. So they, that was, it was really quite something. And the best comment I got was from Jeff Fowler, who said he felt as though he was in a David Lynch film. (laughs) (laughs) Because you had this improvisational music of Jason Smelter and Doug Smith and Jamie Orfanella and Matt Skull and Dirk Decker. And then there was a second quintet later that came out that was, the skeleton equation will end up being a, a quartet, which was Christine Oglesby, Adam Catscratch, Chet Williams, and Luke Shevsky. And then you have uh, these friendly freaks from the circus coming out on stilts and spinning plates and and, and that's hooping. that's the the video that we have on the site now. And I got the same feeling watching it. Actually, I, I yeah. thought it like this is something out of a movie, like a David Lynch movie or something. And I very much love and appreciate how you introduced it on your own personal site, and that uh, that gave me the 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 friendly shivers. <laughs> So uh, should we get to the the last word then? The last word. Let's do the last word. All right. Word. All right. I've been. I've been. That was it. That was the last word. Yeah. What's the last word? The last word. Ted's not listening to the podcast. (laughs) No, but he will be now. I usually I I catch him. Maybe I just don't hang in there until the last word. Yeah. But we run long. Did you dig? uh, You've great stamina, Mark. I've heard all over. Uh, <laughs> what's my girlfriend been telling you so but at the party at synesthesia social was emperor vanity who is the true honest to goodness legitimate official authentic bona fide emperor of the royal imperial court of new york city and he was there at synesthesia social and he's the absolute excess of extravagance and that kind of upped everybody's game there in terms of how they dressed because they knew he was going to be there. And he very well could have shown up with a birdcage on his head. And I'm not exaggerating because he yeah. has been known to wear a birdcage on his head with a tire that goes appropriately with a birdcage on his head. I've, I've seen the photos. The guy's a very interesting dude. He's really interesting and as kind as could be. Yeah. Just like many of the people you'll find as you'll all come to synesthesia social on Sundays. Yeah, please, uh, please come check that out. All what right, time that, is it at? It's, and it's 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the old at brick, the old brick theater on 126 West Market Street in Scranton, Pennsylvania, right, right next, next to Sterners. Door to Sterners with yes. a mysterious entrance in the rear. <laughs> <laughs> it's very mysterious. All entrances in the, the rear are mysterious. Yeah, so. So you know that. Do a Netflix do a Netflix cleanse. And then go. Record The Walking Dead and watch it some other night and come to Synesthesia Social. You'll be home in time for Downton Abbey. Ugh, DVR it. It's not the point about. (laughs) (laughs) All right, the last goddamn word. Yep. Let's uh have you been holding on to this one? I uh no Should, should we get context before? Yeah, well, uh this this um we we did this a while back and we talked about it a while back. So I expect this guy. I, I expected this guy to. Whoa, 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 is this Will Robinson? It's it's, no! it's a, he's back. Okay. Uh, Fuck yeah! For those who hadn't heard, uh, we we had a, a a troll on our site a while back uh, that I gave a, a stern lashing to and and uh, you know basically drove him off and uh, well very eloquent yeah uh, you know. 
he totally deserved it. He had it coming. Uh, but it was as polite as possible. It, it was. It, there was no. Ma- it, it, it was, no. It was, it was me malice. being extremely yeah. sarcastic, right? And, and just pointing out the fact that this guy was being a troll and just yeah. being nasty to be nasty. Matt LeBlanc was your master in '97. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And this guy is he listening? Oh God, I hope he's listening. Just keep going. I don't want to. I'm. I'm okay. I'm fantasizing. Well, of course. Now. Uh, back in December, we had talked about this the yeah. uh, the video of why people you know bash Scranton oh, and why people yeah. talk about it. And uh, the BBC did a, a thing that was uh, basically in defense of, of Scranton and and uh, you know very very well done. And we had talked about the it. Before. BBC, yeah. yeah, the BBC was here in Scranton, the British Broadcasting Network, or even right. Baptist Bible College, <laughs> both, both, yes. And um, you know they they did this this great video and we got some good response just by reposting the and video. It, and the and guy talking it, with about the, it the producer of the video or the or whatever is from Scranton. He's from Scranton. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That was the connection. of the BBC. Yes, there, yeah. There was there, the British B- Broadcasting, the internationally acclaimed. Yes. There's BBC in America. Yes, there he, is. he was. He, he's uh, he's state he's stationed in America. He does stories for. You BBC. should pick it through the streets of Chant Scrant- of Chanton Scranton Chanton. Of Scranton chanting that there is BBC in Scranton. The best. I think. I think four people would give a damn. I would. The best weather is when it's reported by uh, uh, Chris. Chris. Oh, what's his name? Yeah, he must be that good. Chris. Fo- uh, Fox. Like Guy Fox. Fox. Like Guy Fox. But he says he says the the weather the best. He says Maryland instead of Maryland. <laughs> I find it enjoyable. I don't know. Matt Denzico is is the guy's name, by the way, who was the, the BBC, producer, the producer, the BBC guy. journalist. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like watching BBC for weather. <laughs> okay, Boy, so any, anyway, uh, this guy who calls himself Bill Danger Robinson, ha ha ha, um, who who did not like all of my comments about his his name, unfortunately, and his final comment. As far as we know, was well, was Hana, right? Uh, you know, just because he had to say something, right? Because I had to just point out I the fact I that, that was a name you called him. I thought you said, "As far as we know," like referring <laughs> no, 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 to no, no, him. No. That's a name we know. It's from now on. We'll no. This guy's no, a, his name's we know is not. Mm, uh, this guy's a wino. Will Danger Robinson that. is totally just as good as, or even better than we know. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so he has to comment on the video and say, racism in Scranton slash Wilkes-Barre slash Hazleton is about as bad as it gets in the Northeast and is just a tad less severe than your average antebellum southern city. Christian, Wait. Okay, keep going. Sorry. Sorry. Christian Rudder's, Rudder's book, uh, Dataclism, says people in West Virginia search Google for the N-word more than any other state. What he fails to mention is that people in Northeast Pennsylvania search for the N-word even more than the folks in proud and racist West Virginia do. Now, first of all, I'd just like to say, citation, please. Where where did you get this information that you know for a fact that people in this area just search for the N word? Like, I, I, I'm not sure if if racists really do that. Like, does a racist sit down and go? No, they just I'm say thinking it. really racist things. <laughs> Let I'm me just look them Google up on the N word. Yeah, I'm just gonna Google them over and over. Like, I love saying the word fuck. I just I say it all the time. It, it rolls up your tongue, right? It feels you, but I can't say the last time that I just sat down and was like, you know, I really like the word fuck. I'm just going to keep typing it in Google over and over. 
over just to see what happens. So I don't know what I know what, what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't get what the fu- so okay but, okay and wait. and he see he mentions a book too so he really wants to sound like hey look I'm a guy who reads books right see, see which I'm, I'm not so yeah. <laughs> well he's he's already a step above you he is. see in his comment he's already saying how much smarter he is than yeah you. but is he saying so like so he thinks that. So okay, based on his statement, West Virginia yes. is very racist. Right. Okay. And West Virginia, according to this book. And West Virginia likes to Google the N-word. Apparently. Okay. Now, Northeast so, PA, yes. which is not a state. Yes. The people from Northeast PA yes. Google the N-word more than the state. Of West Virginia. Or is he referring to the people per capita based on the region no, that let's, he's let's, citing? No, let's, let's not go deep into this. No, I need I to know the numbers guy, that he's actually dealing with here he because it's really not very fair. So what I'm thinking is, is maybe like seven people Googled it in West Virginia. Also, fundamentally, I don't see the correlation between Googling a word and having some sort of, of derogatory right. uh, outlook on life. Yes. Maybe they were looking up Selma. <laughs> or lyrics. To a ridiculous song. Yeah. It I could mean, be that, too. Geez, I mean, if it, it, you know, you're painting I mean, with a pretty broad brush. Especially a rap song. I think that's practically every other word anyway. So, <laughs> right. there you go. So I, Maybe so, they're just really big fans of rap music. Right. Could be. Could be. Can but you... I just... I, I, I'm, I'm just blown away that this guy... Took, I mean, this this was posted back in December, so he had to dig through the site. Like, like he's really thinking of like, all right, I really got to be, I got to be nasty and negative about something else. Yeah, how many what posts have you done since site? December? Uh, I, hundreds, hundreds, hundreds. So he had a like backlog. Yeah, to yeah. find something he could take a shit on. Right, exactly. And so, of course, you know, as as any good troll does, he found it. I don't think he's a troll. He no, be no, I just think serious. he's an asshole. <laughs> I think they're one and the same. No, <laughs> not no, trolls. No, trolls no. are totally different. An asshole's just an asshole. Trolls just—he's an internet bully. Like a troll's an internet bully, just like trying to make your life difficult. This guy's trying to sound smart and superior based on nothing. Right. Well, if you look at his, and uh, just because it's written in a book, that don't mean it's true either. And all you have to do, which, which is, is why I which, watch movies, which are real, which is great about our, our comment system is we use discuss, which um, all the other media sites in the area use uh, as their comment system. So if you click on anyone's uh, profile, you can pull up their comments, comments on, on everything and, and, and any other site that uses discuss. And you could see, oh, I mean, this guy, every couple hours is commenting on someone's site, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, you know... Uh, Has you ever seen anything positive? N- not, I haven't found one yet. I haven't found one Now where it's like, you know, good comment. job. Never, never. Well, that's the thing is... Borderline optimistic. W- when you think about it, you know... Uh, Everything on NEPA scene is mostly positive, you know, everything. So so there's really like, I mean, other than him, you know, jumping on an artist and just saying, ah, you suck. I mean, there's not really much you can say about any of those stories. So yeah, which is still just he an has to find, you know, the one like the, the one headline that has a negative word bashing in it and jump on that. You know, so it, it of course it attracts him, you know, like like. A, so wait, when did he post this this week? Uh, yeah, just four days ago. Did you reply? No, I didn't say anything yet because I wanted. I I figured we'd just bring it up on on the podcast because it's just can too funny you, not to. Can you, as your reply, um, 
just write this, right? <laughs> just be like a real dick. So just write. Uh, greetings, Will Danger Robinson. I have um, I have read your comment. Uh, I didn't think that it would be appropriate this time to reply via message and comment board. Uh, s- please stay tuned. Within the next seven days, you will have your video response. <laughs> okay. And then I want to see if he'll respond to that. Right. So embed the YouTube link or send it to him or whatever you got to do. Sure. And we'll be like, and I'll just, I don't know if he listened to the last one because I did tell, I did, I totally told him to go listen to it. And, uh, yeah, we didn't tell him why. And he just kept going. You should say, Bill, we've been talking. We specifically, I think it needs, I think it's an ego thing. I think we need to say like, Bill, we specifically talked about you. Right. We're concerned. (laughs) We're um, concerned about your mental well-being. You know, you have too much negativity in your life. Um, right. We do not hate you. We would like to offer you an internet hug, or you know, a, you know, give us give us a PO box. We mm-hmm. will send you some chocolate covered strawberries or something. No, cookies, <clears throat> oatmeal raisin, chocolate chip, sugar. Don't care. I'll pay for it. We'll get him something good just to realize. That not everything in the world is shitty, and and you're not and 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 you're not a pigeon, and you don't have to shit on everything. I feel like you know maybe he thinks he's like guys I- like him keep places like this having the opinions about themselves. Right. That's what pisses me off about Bill Danger Robinson. You know maybe he's like Batman. You know like Batman's pretty miserable. But, you know, he fights for justice all the time. He's a vigilante. This guy isn't fighting for justice. Well, but he thinks he is. That's the thing is he's like this delusional Batman. Like he thinks he's fighting for justice. Like he thinks by saying this that he's he's making some sort of great statement that's going to change things or that's going to like like it's going to open our eyes like, oh, man, I never knew that Northeast Pennsylvania was remotely racist. Let's even. But now with your fake statistics that you made up just now, I'm I'm so convinced of your I'm I'm okay. I'm okay if he cites it. (laughs) Right. But, you know, give me a bibliography, Bill. Sure. Just don't cite Wikipedia. Yeah, you, you can't. You can't. Based on, yeah, but the other thing too is like based on this crazy person's book, because anybody can get published now. You know, I'm sure I could get published. And I don't know how to write. So I don't know. Like, and the other thing too is, is like we're working on making it available for people to call in. Sure. Bill wants Bill wants to call in. We'll happily talk to him. Yeah. Just to hear his, his side. And it's like, you know, why do you. Why do you look so un- unjustly and unfairly at all these things and 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 paint your hate with a with a paint roller and not, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just flipping through his his comment history and it's like it's just negativity upon negativity. Nothing positive. Like you can't find like nope. somebody like Pinterest had like a nice floral arrangement and he never just said anything. I mean, he even he even he's on like uh, the Onions AV Club, and he's saying negative shit. Like the Onions, <laughs> un, not real. I, <laughs> well, the AV Club is. 
That's like yeah, uh, yeah, they, yeah. they they have uh, you know, wait. Like so he's but he's also so he's like a he's like a film guy. I guess so. He must be. All right. So he so he likes you know this. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere. So he, li- so, he likes movies. So yeah, Bill likes movies. Might like comic books. Probably a fan of music. Yeah, maybe he, art. He, he must like comics uh, or or at least cartoons because his. Uh, which I, I, I'm I'm weirded out that that his uh, his avatar is not you know anything from Lost in Space. It's uh it's Spider Man from the '60s cartoon sitting behind a desk. It's actually a, a very common meme oh, where I knew exactly what you're si- talking about. He's sitting behind the desk, and there's a picture behind him of himself. I thought it was the, the emoji of smiling pile of poo. <laughs> I thought that that's what it might have been. No, I don't no. want to call. I look. I want to say that he's I, actually like a smiling I, I, piece. I don't want to. I don't want to spend. You're I don't want to. Sp- I, I don't. I you know. I I I I love. I love the fact that everybody has an opinion, and I love the fact that we live in a country where you can have opinion. And also, and I also love the fact that we live in a country where you can disagree with someone's opinion. Yep. That being said, um, where what bill is is doing is is being negative and i and i think it's unfair for us to i mean it's it's very it's, it's i'm just very not fun. sure what he's talking no, about no it's very fun to give him shit right um but he's not here to defend himself so sure. I, I think i think it's it's kind of unfair and i'd like oh. to extend the invitation to um have him either through correspondence uh via the interweb or you know call in yeah uh, be a guest. We'd have we'd be happy to have him on. You know what I mean? Because it's you know I I, I and I don't want to spend you know I I don't want to. It's not the Spanish Inquisition. I don't want to you know. Well, why do you feel this way? Well, you know maybe he'll have some good points and that he doesn't have. You know maybe he's just typing real fast and can't get it all out. You know maybe he he needs an opportunity to just you know let it go. You're very kind, Mark. Going back to. The beginning of our podcast, kindness kills you faster than a bullet. Right. I'll still let Bill come on. Okay. All I'll right. still I'll still participate with Bill. Fair enough. I I don't I I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he's just having a bad day or year or life and, or in any of those things. And you know, maybe maybe we can shine a little sunshine up his ass. Hey, I'm I'm willing to try. Yeah. All I right. I got a flashlight. Fair enough. All right, so we are right, Ted. Thank you so much for being on, man. We appreciate and it. Thank yeah, you, Ted. Thank you. Uh, you know, Ted. Ted was drawing me as I talked, which <laughs> you know, like some people would be think, is, weirded is... out or intimidated by that. But I'm so used to it by now after <laughs> hanging out at so many of Ted's events. He and drew us too. He also drew them as well. Show so it to the microphone. I'm doing we'll, uh, <laughs> <to> the microphone. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll have those drawings up on the website too for you to see. Oh, we appreciate yeah. you taking the time, man. Even oh, even course. to draw and. You know, let us know, and and I'm and, and you know what, man, I'm really I'm really jazzed about what you're doing. Oh, cool, thank you. I think it's a really cool it. thing, and thank you sincerely for having me on. Sure, and that's uh, and that's all she wrote. Let's go home and go to bed. Okay, see you. See next, everybody. See you next time. Bye.